0: found what was worth, what was good for my soul, and I had to focus on that, and I had to eliminate a lot of people, they couldn't see, like, this is hurting me, it may be doing them good, but it's not doing me good, and they still want to drag me down that road. I had to say, like, I love you, but it's not fun for me, it's just full of chaos and pain, so I lost a lot of friends like that, because I couldn't keep up with their hype, and they're cool.
1: You're listening to Find the Good News, Episode 54, The Girl in the City, featuring Breenie Dowies. Find the Good News is produced by Parker Brand Creative Services, a branding agency that thinks sideways, pushes forward, and gets your brand up. See what else we do at parkerbrandup.com. Thank you for tuning into this episode of Find the Good News. Today, I'm sharing my conversation with Brini Dowies, the moderator of The Late Charles Scene. Next week's episode features Gingy Miller, owner of Louisiana Creations. As an artist, Gingy gives ordinary and discarded objects a second life. Art has carried her through many trials and she shares many of them with me on the pod. In the coming weeks, I'll be sharing the road trip episode with Kelly Stowecki at the Water's Edge Food Pantry Ministry. This was a real eye-opening road trip, and I'm looking forward to sharing the pod and the video companion piece. Following that, I have a special father-son episode featuring Richard and Jack Harrell. You've probably heard Jack playing at Stellar Beans or Tia Juanita's Fish Camp. Now, that conversation was a lot of fun, and Jack licked out some tunes on his piano while he was in the studio. I appreciate all the likes, shares, and comments from each of you on social media. If you like this show, please take a minute to subscribe to your favorite podcast app. A review is also a big help, too. If you genuinely would like to hear more good news, let me know about it online. Don't forget that your suggestions for guests are needed. Who do you want to hear on this show? Do you know a local hero who has good news? Hit me up on the DMs on my social pages and I'll see about getting your choice on the show. One last thing, and this is really, really important. I need your help. I want to bring you even better content in richer formats, but to do that, I need your support. If you can spare $3.33 a month, consider becoming an Early Risers Club patron at patreon.com slash findthegoodnews your generous monthly patronage will help me continue to grow the good news signal in the world i always say that i make this show for you and with your kind support you'll know 100 percent that good news is coming your way just go to patreon.com find the good news and join the early risers club to become a patron well that's the lowdown on everything i've got going it's time for me to button up these announcements and get to what you came here for so turn off your smartphone alerts find your favorite pair of headphones Set the volume on your stereo to your favorite levels. Let all the noisy thoughts float away for a little while. Now, press play on a little good news. When I started finding The Good News, I never really thought about listeners becoming guests. As it turns out, people attracted to good news have ended up being good people themselves. After so many wonderful conversations, I suppose I shouldn't be surprised when a guest takes me into uncharted waters. The truth is, I was surprised and taken places I didn't expect to go when I visited with Brini Dowies, woman about town and moderator of The Late Charles Scene, a page focused on promoting businesses and events that make Southwest Louisiana a diverse and exciting place to live. Breanie was an early fan of Find the Good News, interacting, commenting, and sharing many of the interviews through her page. Over the past year, I watched Brini enthusiastically share information, photos and videos promoting the area. On her personal page, I noticed something that went further than the surface of her playful fashion sense and lively smile. I saw Brini going far beyond the average effort to be social, genuinely social, online. She would cut through the simple selfie or highly manicured pictures with personal stories from deep beneath the shallow surface where we're all invited to dwell. She was showing her heart, her mind, her emotions, her feelings, her true self, not perfectly crafted for public consumption in a raw and uncensored way, paired with a take it or leave it attitude. My emotions were stirred by her posts, her willingness to share without worry. I suspect that many, like me, had relatable experiences, secretly thanking her for having the courage to share. Has the woman behind the enthusiastic smile and the fun persona had a charmed life? Absolutely not. In fact, I would say that I have rarely visited with someone so young that has had as much to face as Brini. But face it, she does. Brini looks at her life honestly, and with the help of a loving community, she works to transform the empty spaces and lonely times in her life into service and light for others. Next time you see this girl in the city, Let her charm and smile serve as a reminder that doing good does not always come from being treated good. Sometimes, in spite of the dark cards they have been dealt, people like Brini are actively working to find and share the bright lights.
2: Wake up, it's morning, you're dreaming up a story I can hear, the way it's going, cause you're laughing in your sleep, on the path to
1: deliverance and a holy wall of light
0: pouring through your window old news
1: bad I'm news, happy fake news I know it sometimes, you just want to shut it all down and get no news at all. With Find the Good News, I aim to change that by focusing on good people doing good work. I visit with artists, educators, civic and spiritual leaders, musicians, business owners, students, volunteers, and everyday citizens who are using their creativity, resources and talents to bring hope and happiness to their corner of the world. In each episode, I dig into the hearts and minds of my extraordinary guests have street-level conversations about relatable things going on in their lives, discover the critical life experiences that shape them, the perspectives that drive them, and the fundamental beliefs that are anchoring them to a path of goodness. There's a lot of news in the world. My name is Oren Parker, and I'm going to find the good.
2: Anyway,
1: thanks for coming over. I, uh, You know, we don't know each other except online, right? Mm -hmm. Which is kind of cool. That's kind of the new world we live in where we see pictures of people. We see what they write. But if we don't actually go to the same things they go to or we don't participate in the same activities they participate in. Um, Then we don't really get that face to face. And I've been kind of pleasantly surprised that most of the people that I've encountered on the show have been fairly accurate in what uh, they've presented online. And so I actually small world, I guess we were just talking about Aaron Young and Aaron and I go way back. I mean way way back all the way to high school you know he and i were like brothers in high school it was a whole group of us he's probably told you
0: something. he he told me like when i go hang out because every now and then he'll host these activities with the youth or the young adults in our church and we'll go over watch a movie or there have been times where i've i've struggled in the past i i used to have a problem with drinking and everything and aaron made a deal with me he said when you feel tempted to go out he said, you call me up, AACP, and him and his wife would just say, come stay the night with us. Yeah. And so I think actually one weekend I was staying the weekend with him, but this was actually – couple months when i actually messaged you yeah and he was going through my phone he always wants to check and this is a deal that he has he feels like he's he's dad and i call him dad yeah and he was being nosy through my phone and went through my facebook and i think went through my messages and maybe saw saw, (laughs) saw your name and he asked Who's um? He said, "Who's Oren Parker?" And for me, <laughs> when I get instigated like questions like that from him, I always think that he's being nosy and wants to like, "Oh, who's this guy you're talking to?" <laughs> right. and, I, and I just like throw my hands and say, "I don't know, Dad. Like, this is this guy that's coming out and he's doing all these broadcasts and he's." really great with that and I talked to him and he knows what I do with my group and, I, and then he said well are you talking to him and I said no dad yeah, he, was like, like he was questioning said, question. he was looking at me and they're all laughing at me in the background him and Lynetta they so they're
1: in on the joke that he they're knows. on
0: the joke and I didn't know and I just kept like saying no dad's nothing like I even looked at his Facebook said so he has a wife or he hasn't asked me any random weird inappropriate questions <laughs> right. I said it's just a guy that's involved in the community and he's doing great things. And he said, "Okay, okay, settle down, Sabrina." So I went to high school with him. Oh yeah. And then I was like "You could have said that at the beginning." No, we were
1: all very, very close. I mean, every time. I mean, Aaron's just um, a fast friend, right? I mm-hmm. mean, he's just got that kind of personality. That's mm-hmm. kind of awesome. I love that connection. When you said "dad," I was kind of, I did sort of the same thing that maybe you were doing the math. I went dad how is that possible hang on a second i don't know her and i don't think he has a daughter that's older than
0: no um he only (laughs) has uh three kids and the oldest if i remember correctly she just turned 18 so um i him and I have been knowing each other since I was 15 when I joined the church, the Latter-day Saint Church. And I pretty much walked in the building by myself. I had no family support of my own. I even decided I wanted to get baptized. And Aaron was there at the beginning. And since I was kind of just coming to church by myself all the time, my, my actual real dad would just drop me off in the parking lot and I'd just walk in the building. Yeah. Um, everybody in the building just... Took a hold and grasped, and Aaron and his wife Lynetta were there at the beginning uh, and knew me. Compared to a lot of people who've kind of traveled back and forth or left the area, so uh, I would say they they've reached out and and helped me a lot. So they are pretty much family like a surrogate
1: family huh? pretty
0: much so they're like my church family and um, i go to them about most of the all the concerns i have in life compared to my own real family members just because i think my faith and everything i do centers around and um and compared to a lot of situations that I've, I've dealt with in life, I would say my church family, and the good thing I can say about Aaron is that he has um, a calm personality and yeah. doesn't overreact to actual family members. like. For sure, I will never call anybody in my family if my car just breaks down or something's going wrong. You and call
1: somebody with some ex- that can take it Who has experience.
0: Yeah. And I usually call Aaron, and Aaron will say, just like, well, you just need oil in the car. And I'm like, well, I didn't know that. So <laughs> um, just simple things like um, instead of, other people I've encountered, they just throw their hands up in the air and just call it all quits. It's like, I don't know, spring, just go to a mechanic. And that stresses me if, because I have anxiety, and usually I just need somebody calm to help me in a lot of situations. Yeah,
1: when you add anxiety to existing anxiety, that doesn't ever help. Hmm. Yeah, we've our families dealt with anxiety on many different, I guess, levels, and uh, that's one of the things we've learned. You know, blowing up just doesn't. It can be frustrating, but it's hard to remember that the person who is having the anxiety or the panic attack, if you're frustrated, imagine what they're going through. It's like, you know, exponentially worse than what you're going through. So, staying calm is definitely of high value
0: it, it is I um, I've managed some coping skills and techniques things I've studied over the years that have helped me a lot breathing a lot counting helps me um, uh, it just being aware of your surroundings recognizing things around you before you go into full panic mode but I mean if I feel like I'm losing like the last situation I know what had happened to me I had uh, gotten a, a small minor wreck on the bridge and um this the traffic was backed up and i just happened to glance for a mere second to the left of traffic on the other side and didn't realize everybody had stopped prior so i slammed the brakes and um, i didn't hit them i tried to swerve my car but then my my tire started spiraling and ended up Down in the ditch into the grass area. Well, luckily that there is, there was grass in between because they estimated with my vehicle and the, the climb going that I could have flipped over, but the grass had stopped, stopped stopped and slowed the vehicle. So I got out, got pulled out. There was another girl right beside me. Simple things such as where am I at? Um, What happened? Just lost my mind. All I could do was think, I called up, I didn't call Aaron, but I called somebody who knew me for a long while, known I've had anxiety, and I said, I'm in a wreck. And he's like, where are you at? And I just lost my mind. I couldn't even recognize. I said, I'm on the edge of Suffer and Lake Charles. Does that make yeah. sense? I'm at the bridge. And he said, well, what bridge? And I said, I don't even know what this bridge is. So what I did is the girl next to me and I explained to her, I said, I have an anxiety and I panic and I, I can't grasp things. Can you explain to my friend on the phone, um, what the situation is? And she helped out a whole lot. So, um, and then when I got the phone, all I could hear my friend telling me is like, "Breathe and like count, calm," and it's just simple things, and um, he's and ask ask me questions such as, um, "What do you see in front of you?" Mm. Um, "What are you wearing?" "What can you smell?" Simple things that brings uh, me back down to ground, yeah. and reality to help me cope, and mm. then to understand. Okay. I am in this location and now I can remember. Yeah. Because... I don't think I could grasp if a bunch of police officers you know, in a situation, if I'd gotten another wreck and just started hounding me and asked me personal questions, um, if it
1: gets too much too fast. It, yeah,
0: know. it would, and I don't, I, I don't know if there's a card that out there that says, "Help! I have panic attacks, anxiety. Can you please be yeah. patient with me?" Um, I don't know if there's such a thing like well,
1: that. Well, you know, you may, and actually, that's not a bad idea. I'll tell you, I have a similar story, but it was kind of the opposite. Um, and if I can share it with you, I think yeah. it might be of value to you. Uh, I don't know if you've ever heard of the, uh, you ever watched a show called Survivor Man? It's with Les Stroud. He films himself when he goes out.
0: I don't think I've heard of it, but I'll look it up.
1: Well, he there's one particular episode that I, I took have one big takeaway, and he talked about um, assessing your zones, and mm-hmm. I took a lot from that, and it helped me one time. He talked about when you get in a survival situation, a lot most of it's in your head. Mm-hmm. Um, Granted, there's some real things going on around you, but the first thing you have to do is get inside your own head. And so he said, he assessed to help himself get into the right mode. He assesses his zones. And the first zone is, where am I inside of himself? Like being aware of who he is, what's going on inside of himself. That's zone one. And then he slowly draws the rings out. Like, so zone two is his body. Okay, let me now assess what's going on with my body. Is there an injury? Is is something happening here physically to my body? And then the next zone is what's on his body. What's what's he wearing? What environment is he immediately in? And as he assesses these zones, it actually calms him down. And so I got run over by a car one time. A lady was driving, and I was walking on the side of the road, and she hit me about, about 48 miles an hour, 45. But it was fast enough to really, I mean, wake me up. You know what I'm saying? I mean, I actually got hurt. And it's so fast it just jars your mind you know and, and i could feel like that panic almost immediately my brain was like i just got hit by a car it was just a lightning strike you know and so i don't know but that zone thing kicked in and that was the first thing i did was am i when i after the initial impact i was like am i conscious am i alive, right? Like, am I here? Is kind of was my first thought. And then the next thing was the next zone is my body. And as I started to assess my body, I saw a lot of blood on the ground. And so I was like, well, that means I'm I'm hurt, obviously, but I was in shock. My body was in shock. So I couldn't feel like pain at that moment. So I had to like take my hand, I looked at my fingers, I was like, okay, my hand, my right hand moved and I tried to move my left arm and it didn't move. So it was like those assessments were keeping my, I guess, keeping me from panicking because I was totally focused on assessing those things. And as I used my good hand, I said, okay, I need to fill my head. Okay. My head's not where the blood's coming from. Okay. That's good. And I started, you know, it was like a, it became like a math problem almost. Mm -hmm. And so it really helped keep my anxiety in check until, you know, the ambulance got there. And I I, I honestly think if it would not have been for that, Technique. I probably could have panicked, you know, and just been and just laid on the ground in total shock, you know. So it was a big help. It's like you said, having those little exercises when you knowing that you have those tools ahead of time. You know, we my my wife has anxiety, and she does the same thing. She has like techniques, you know, that and, and she knows, like you said, getting on the front end of it's like super important before it rises up. <laughs> I'm always fascinated by somebody like you, though, because you know, I've, I, I, one of the reasons I contacted you is because I read everything you write. I mean, every time you, you make some kind of a heartfelt post that really digs inside yourself, I'm fascinated by it. One, and then also my heart just, you get inside my heart with some of that stuff. I'm not going to lie to you. But hearing that you have anxiety and then seeing how you put yourself out there in the community, um, not everybody that has those types of things does that i think it takes a lot of
2: strength
0: uh you know you're you're right on a lot of those things i don't saying that i have anxiety is is like an on and off thing almost like i also have a struggle with depression and um it's sometimes i feel like it's a light switch for example this past sunday um I I was kind of literally breaking down because I I admit I've had a struggle with dedicating myself to my faith and um, being mindful of my prayers or going to church and and people like Aaron they they know that and they do the best that they can to be supportive and I'm I was just sitting and the room with everybody and we're going into a gospel lesson and they write all the scriptures on the board for everyone to look and then they write names on the board such as Paul and and um, other situations and then they ask like "Who?" and I used to be really great and I know I still am all I have to do is dedicate myself back into my studies and I could just memorize things and just give you the answer and tell you the story in the scriptures or in the bible and then I just looked and my mind just went I don't remember any of these things because I have stopped my practice into my reading scriptures and saying my prayers and, um, and my mind slow and slow. everybody was just like reading and i think the anxiety caved in where the teacher said just turn to your partner and discuss what you memorized on the board where everybody was getting in partners but i was sitting in the middle and then i realized that um i didn't have a partner right there and then i turned to myself and i thought like i don't feel good enough to talk i don't know any of these things on the board so i just grabbed my bag and i walked out and i happened to run into aaron and he asked hey what's going on and i said i'm about to break down i'm having A panic attack. That triggered it. That triggered it. And he said, Well, what happened? I said, All the scriptures on the board, um, people turning and talking about things. And I said, It's not that um, I'm just so uncomfortable. It was a room full of people. And I think I've had struggles in the past before. Where, when I've tried to get active in church and being around a lot of people, I've I've secluded myself like in a small hole. I um, I used to go out with the young adults in my church and we all get together, hang out on Sundays. And I didn't like volunteer saying a prayer. I didn't like volunteer speaking out or being that person that everybody now sees me on social media or out in the public. I, I actually had my own little fort. Everybody uh, would jokingly throw the pillows and cover me in a little fort tent and that <laughs> a
1: literal fort like a, a liter- pillow, fort.
0: pillow fort. Yes. Yeah. Um, I hoarded all the pillows and that was my comfort zone and um and then they'll joke and when I got out of it it is when I went to the bathroom and that's about it I that was my way of saying um don't pick on me don't call me out don't ask me questions if I raise my hand that's because I'm comfortable enough to answer or ask a question and it had to take time it had to take prayer um a lot of patience. It had to take some practice. Um, people like Aaron and members in my church, they actually reached out and gave me opportunities to be in a teaching position. And I thought like, man, like I have an anxiety now. You want me to teach? In front of grown-ups mm. so it started with basics such as teaching scripture classes to grown-ups and people in the community that would stop by at the church and were just curious and want to know um, so that started out with me getting out of the anxiety of public speaking then um, it just went on to more opportunities I would go out with full-time missionaries and we would do um, extra hard things like knock on people's doors and just say hey we're missionaries from this church and would you like to hear a message about the gospel and a lot of times I would feel turned down if the door was just slammed real quick in our face and I thought I took it personally and um, the missionaries had to help me to keep proceeding forward and said don't feel it's not you Um, and then I would feel blank if they would ask a question about us in general and I didn't have the answer because I thought I was supposed to have the answer mm, and then they that. would question me and so say how come you don't even have the answer and then I would lose my confidence and had an anxiety Yeah. and I had to learn that even being a missionary that sometimes you don't always have to have the answer and right. you can't explain to people um, who are not filled with faith that pe- average people can't give you every single answer to the scriptures Some- you have to have faith in. Yeah,
1: sure, I get that.
0: Um, well, so yeah,
1: I mean, I get that a lot. I mean, that's an interesting topic. I, I think our theology can get in the way of our ability to connect on a human level sometimes. Mm-hmm. I, I when I lived in Natchitoches, Louisiana. We lived around the on a street that was around the corner from the apartment complex where the the men Mormon missionaries Mm -hmm. uh, lived, and so they would come through our neighborhood all the time. And I've always been fascinated by religion and spiritual practices. And so when they would knock on the door, I was always I tried to be very welcoming because they're just people. That's the thing that was so so hard. I think for and I don't know why that's hard, but I think it's hard for people to remember that people who are knocking on your door. In a certain religion or a certain practice, they're not knocking on the door because they think they have something bad to share with you. They're not trying to give you a snake or a poison. You know, they just want to share something that's affected their life. Right? I mean, at least that's the perspective I take. Mm-hmm. And so I ended up, and then my time I lived there, going through you know three cycles of missionaries. They would come over for dinner. They'd come right to the house and help me put swing sets together and help me one day they, I was outside raking my lawn and, and they come over and they help me bag leaves just stop and be friends just be humans together and we did have spiritual conversations and they never ended an argument and did we have theological differences probably but we didn't focus on those things and what a, I think fondly of those missionaries and you know the <laughs> other Saturday morning two men knocked on our door and I went outside and there was two men. I didn't even ask. They had they had Bibles. We talked about the Bible. I asked where they were from. Got to learn about Australia from one of the guys from Australia. We talked a little bit about God and a little bit about culture, a little bit about problems in the world, and a little bit about solutions. Come to find out, eventually found out that they were Jehovah's Witnesses. We didn't get muddled up in the theology. We just hugged like brothers, and they left, and it was a good conversation, and I felt like I'd met two good men. Mm -hmm. It doesn't seem more complicated than that when you have the experience, but I think we make it more complicated.
0: I know the positive thing, and you said that about the Mormon missionary guys always coming over, something that always stood out to me, and I tried to implement a lot in my life is service-oriented. and serious, no doubt. Ever since I was a little kid and I joined the church, they would come around when I wasn't home and just knock on my on my door and my dad would open and just say, hey, Mr. Dowey, sir, how are you doing? Is, is Sabrina home? And just say, no, she's staying with a friend. And he said, well, do you need help with anything? You want us to mow your lawn and stuff? And dad was just always confused. like, like Why are you want to like, help why? me? Why are you being like, so nice to and me? And he would think that it's something because they were trying for a motive like um, he, he, he was very abdomen. My dad raised in a strict culture, um, and his faith, everybody has their differences. And my dad had his differences with my faith and it's gotten a little bit better over the years. Um, but he always saw it as a motive where they would offer help and he would think it's, um, if they do this, then he would want to listen and he never oh, wanted to listen to right. anything. we'll trade you. We'll I'll trade do the, I'll you. i grass if you... Yeah. That's what dad always... My dad always used to think. And I I felt... Uh, my, my real dad, not Aaron, of course... Um, and it was never the issue. And I think a lot of people just think that in general. I've had guy missionaries come over. As a matter of fact, I think later on tonight, because I was deep purging, throwing a lot away of stuff, I think the guys in Aaron and them are taking all the stuff and hauling it to the dumpster. Um, and I've seen them show up, even on my doorstep, like help me mow my grass or whatever. I live alone now. And they are in their suits. They're yeah. in their clean, nice suits. They they will literally do anything, and sometimes if you're lucky, you'll probably see the guy missionaries on their bicycles in yep. their suits yeah, out true. in Lake Charles, and yeah. um, I think that it's girl missionaries out in Sawford currently right now. Are they? Um, but even I've seen them, and sometimes I feel bad as well. I've seen them bicycling and the pouring, pouring rain, rain. Yeah. and right. they are dedicated wherever they're going to their destination, whether it's to teach someone or even to go back home. And I've actually, I told him, I said, I want to do what you do. And then, um, I was dedicating myself every single day of the week, um, going with sister missionaries. And one of the days was bike day. Um, they were taking turns from, they spend a the day on the bikes and then just to get out and work out and I was full ready and then all of a sudden it started raining as I put the bike under the carport and I was an inch close. I was about to call him on the phone thinking like you know what it's raining I changed my mind but I'm thinking they're already in their destination on their bike and the rain is pouring on them and I thought what is different and wrong about you Serena? you can't suffer so I just got on my bike and just started cycling in the rain and um, and when I arrived they were already at the location and made it before it started raining so it only rained on me and i think it was proven a point that you you have to proceed forward despite hard situations coming down Very upon good you.
1: yeah for sure so
0: i didn't want. i was glad i stuck it through and we even took it as a laugh like it it started raining the minute i got my bike out and it ended the point in time i arrived at the gas station to meet them and they looked at me like what is happening and i just started laughing i said the irony of this all i said i think god is full of laughter that's Mm. what it is i think he's teaching me a point of that i need to just go being out in the rain so
1: how lovely is that i mean that you because i i I thought about that this weekend i was kind of on a a retreat of, of my own making and so many things like objects like occurrences were lessons you know and i I laughed at one point while i was uh taking a picture of a grasshopper and this lesson just in just in looking at the grasshopper and his colors you know particularly or its colors and it it just gave me a moment to reflect on something particular and i kind of chuckled i said you know when you get yourself in the right headspace you can find meaning in everything and it's so lovely that you can that you were able to do that i just love stories like that because you could look at we could all look at everything in life that way and it makes wisdom all around you so to speak
0: you have to be really open and mindful also as well instead of just having a negative energy because if you're going to have a negative energy and be upset and mad all the time then you're not going to really see what the lesson and point is um, coming towards you, and that's something I actually had to work on for quite a long, because I, of course, when you're a teenager and grown up, like, you don't understand it. You're upset and you're mad all the time, probably, like an average teenager. Um, I had to be patient, and I had to start taking wisdom from people older than me and wiser, and, um, I used to have really bad anger issues a lot, um, because of my depression and the anxiety infecting me. And um, when I started focusing and getting the help that I needed, I um, and being more spiritually in tune, because when you put yourself in your surroundings um, and you open your heart up a little bit, Then you can kind of see what the message is really clearly about and what it's trying to teach you instead of just you going full out angry and beast mode and attacking Mm. everybody around you. So I've had to learn a lot of times that I need to, instead of reacting, and I still struggle to this day, instead of reacting, just to take a minute to sit back and ask what is going on that I need to learn or adjust or fix or accommodate or do something around me before um, and uh, just kind of work on my inner self. I I still, it's a constant thing I need to. I've I've struggled lately with a lot of emotions. and, And I'm happy, I
1: know it. Look, as much as I enjoy talking on Find the Good News about making a change, I'd be less than honest if I didn't admit that change is hard sometimes. I should get more quiet time. I should exercise more, walk more, sleep more. And the one thing that I know I should do without a doubt is eat better, healthier, and fresher. But there's a wide berth between knowing something and actually doing something about it i love to cook but just like those other should do's i don't always make the time this is where i have to tell you about fresh fuel because it takes procrastination out of my way fresh fuel is a fresh take on getting healthy wholesome and satisfying foods in your life as a kickstarter to critical change that lasts when you sign up for a fresh fuel program at thefreshfuel.com you'll find tiers for your specific level of can't get up and go i know i found mine my friend and founder of fresh fuel megan abraham wants to do one thing and one thing only she wants you and your family to eat healthier delicious home-cooked meals that's it with fresh fuel megan has taken all of the i can't do it out of putting better meals in front of the people you care about and she's quick to remind that one of those people should include you. Go to thefreshfuel.com and choose the program that's right for you. Megan provides you with the recipes, supply lists, links, videos, goals, and very important here, access to the Fresh Fuel Facebook group where you can connect with other Fresh Fuelers, real people just like you and me, making the same journey. What I love most about meal prepping with Fresh Fuel is that you don't have to do it alone. Megan is right there with you every step of the way making the same changes you are. Fresh Fuel isn't a diet, it's a life change for those of us that just have trouble changing. Since I signed up for Fresh Fuel I'm cooking more, eating better, and honestly I'm feeling better too. I believe in Fresh Fuel so much that I asked Megan to offer Find The Good News listeners a chance to try it out at a discount. Just go to thefreshfuel.com, select one of Megan's signature programs, Fresh Fuel 28, the 28 Plus or the 28 Pro plan, and then enter the code GOOD NEWS to get 10% off your program. That's 10% off a Fresh Fuel signature program by visiting thefreshfuel.com and entering the code GOOD NEWS. Fresh Fuel has been good news in my life, and I'm betting that thefreshfuel.com will be good news for you too. Shouldn't we all though always be working on that? I mean, because what what what's the closest thing to you? I mean, I, I think about this all the time, and it kind of gets back into another type of meditation mm-hmm. med- meditation exercise I, I like to do, and it's it's one I, I've come to call finding myself hiding within myself, and so sometimes we'll lay and try to get relaxed, and then start. Going so, where am I at in here? In in this body, laying here, am I in my toes? Am I in my knees? Am I just in my mind? We say heart. Where does that come from? I giving myself all those questions, which I guess can get kind of existential. But for me, they're comforting because when I start to look for myself, I start to find that who I think I am isn't who I am at all. You know, so I get it gives me an opportunity to look at different areas uh in my mind and in my heart and i just think how wonderful it will be to just do this your whole life right to just keep this is the closest thing to me is the brain in my skull and the spiritual heart in my chest you know right at my center that's the nearest thing i own it's not i mean it's closer to me than my hands so what bigger treasure do you have You know, Um, I do want to ask you some questions, if you don't mind, because I'm very curious. I mean, that's what I tell a lot of people on this show. uh, Curiosity drives the the conversation. Um, So I when I first connected with you online, I think you had just started the late Charles scene. Yeah. Yes. And so. Which I thought was pretty fascinating, but I didn't really make a connection to this other thing I'm about to ask you about until later. You had told a really personal story about sex in the city (laughs) and your mother.
0: Yeah. um...
1: And I I just want to say, if you don't mind talking about that a little bit, I just saw a connection. I, I guess for me, I didn't know you very well. I saw a connection to your activities with the late Charles Scene and that character on the show. And I was like, this is interesting. So she's kind of and this is just again my outsider looking in. I was like, so she's kind of embracing some of those traits and applying them to this activity, in my opinion, like girl about town, you know? Which I thought was kind of kind of fun and and neat. And I was like, so to take inspiration from a, a show like that. Mm-hmm. But then I I got to read your story, and I'm not going to lie to you, I read it a few times, you know, and really, really touched my heart. And uh, I just wanted to know if you wouldn't mind talking about that a little bit. And am I way off in No, my...
0: I, I'm really open. I'll, I'll talk about anything. So yeah. I'll talk about what um, what is the specific like you want me to touch well, I on? I mean or is like, there a connection
1: just... between what you're doing with Late Charles Scene yeah. and, and your
0: As a matter fondness? of fact uh, as a matter of fact because it seems lately all I am is like really obsessed over is that TV show and I have all the seasons um I will tell you where's the best deal to get them I got it off of this app or this website called book thrift um, and it sells also DVDs as well. And then a few random toys on there. You just, it's a new and used website. And I have the app. And I'm constantly on it all the time. And my points rack up. And then after a certain amount of points, I get a $5 credit. There you go. <laughs> and um, so I found all my DVDs for maybe $3 to $4 each. And I thought, that is such a great deal. But this season is also kind of a little bit older. So I think on an average Walmart shelf, you may find it for 10 bucks. Yeah so I'm always looking for a thrift deal um, I've always and I think it's because of the depression, the anxiety and certain the what I've been on medication for that sometimes my mind will attach to things that are very familiar and it will stick to it and uh, as a little kid it, it first started with my birth mom and um, her name is Jacqueline and just A whole story about Jacqueline is that, um, she raised me up until I was seven. She was such a smart, beautiful woman, but growing up in the 70s, um, she dabbled in a lot of things, um, with, with drugs, alcohol, and, um a free-spirited woman so she experienced it all and a lot of those choices that she experimented um kind of resulted in effects with her pregnancy she had six miscarriages. carriages i was the last of the 12 children there would have been 12 total um if we were all living and um, and she was always on drugs or some hard liquor or alcohol when she was pregnant with all of us. Um, so some of us have come out with something or been dependent or co-dependent upon, like I've had siblings addicted to alcohol or, or some minor stuff and we've all sought help and treatment and have turned out great. Um, but it was just the struggle along the way because of mom and her decisions. So the situation led to where mom had kind of a breakdown she she took me i think i was around six about to turn seven and she took me around a winter season and she always said the the only man she ever loved was the first man and that was the father of the two oldest um my brothers that are twins and she found out that he was in missouri and so she took me she just literally left the house we were in grand lake put me in the car um there was just like no way and we just took off and it's because she she were how old i was about six all i just remember is just being shoved in everything it was like no explanation and just shoved in her car and she just started driving like dad would get me every other weekend my birth dad that was just the custody situation
1: and that was all after this event right after that
0: this this was all occurring she did not explain (laughs) to anybody that she was taken off it was perfect of her personality disorder she had bipolar and she just got in the car well things a lot of things just started happening um when we were up there and uh, to be honest i witnessed a lot of things as a child that i don't think a kid a six-year-old kid should see but um i didn't know what it was at that time right but remembering it is basically mom it didn't work out with the first guy her car broke down we were homeless a lot on the streets we slept a lot under bridges Um, I remember a few occasions of people maybe being kind enough and taking us into their homes or hotels for a little while um, or other places and homes we got in but a lot of the situations where we got in is because I recognized a trait that mom used herself and used me as a crutch to get a lot of so basically mom was a prostitute i got you um i'm sorry to be ugly it's okay but it's um that's how we kind of got around with a lot of it and
1: that was her survival mechanism. that was her Her survival
0: mechanism and unfortunately um i was basically kind of around to a certain point so i did kind of witness a lot of things like i don't know what that's going on or what that is but just knew that i needed to cover my eyes or go in another room or be away you're from it
1: six seven years still six, still six
0: probably about to be seven um i found a way or somehow found a way we connected with family back in louisiana and dad found out where we're at and so he proceeded forth to um go with custody to get full rights after he found out the situations. We were in Missouri um, and when he got all his judge approval he found a way to actually um, to kind of come up here. Well, we um, when he found me and my birth mom, he actually um, found the location and the decision and this is such an um, astonishing story. People just get like they don't understand like my dad he um he found he saw me walking in a house he was in a car parked away when he so finally he just saw you yeah he saw me and he was looking for us he made arrangements with my birth mom that he's like you give up sabrina i have the paperwork to prove it and he kind of was making up a little white lie to say i have all that backed up child support or money i never but he was not going to give up money he just had paperwork to say I know how he was rights. doing
1: that to entice your mother to entice to, her yeah. but
0: she wasn't going forward and she didn't want to meet up with them. so he had to find his way to find where we were at and so he it was on a weekend and um, he was told from judges and people in Louisiana that he needed a judge in Missouri to sign that paperwork to kind of, I guess, proceed further um, for in a de- different location. Well, it was the weekend, of course, the offices are closed up there in Missouri, and he saw me, and he said, there is no way I can wait, and they said, come back Monday. And he said, I have to get back to Louisiana Monday, i got a job. And he said, and I just saw her, I need her now. Um, I need to get Sabrina and so um he took a very wild chance um he just parked his, um him and his thin wife back then um he walked up to the door and i remember throughout the whole day i still remember it um mom was telling me so many times sabrina i think you need to go take a nap and i just thought i'm not tired i don't want to go to bed and she knew that he dad was getting extremely close um she was supposed to meet him but turned him down and she knew he was coming around she was getting uncomfortable so she
1: was trying to hiding she was trying
0: to hide me in case she thought at any moment that he was about to show up and so I remember a knock came on the door and she looked over through the window and she said it's him and she said it to the adults. Um, I got all excited and thought, who is it? Like I wanted, I was curious. And when the door opened, I saw his dad. I was all excited and wanted to reach out. And I remember what mom did. She stuck her arm and her leg out um, through the door, like trying to like for me. And I was so small. I was fighting her way. I was like, ah, oh, no, mom. And I somehow like jumped through a little hole. I don't know if I crawled under her legs or jump through whatever but small space out. but I pushed her out the way and I think the minute um I got past her um I saw dad handing her some papers and he just reached out and he grabbed me and I held on to him and He turned around and he said something about like, hey, guess who's out in the car? And it was his thin wife at the time. And he said, do you want to go see her? And I said, yeah, let's go see her. And that was the moment that I didn't understand, but that was the last moment I was going to see mom and we walk down and all of a sudden we're going down the sidewalk and I see the car driving next to us with the thin stepmom and we just start he just started running he just started running down the sidewalk and the car goes around and the I didn't holler I didn't scream I was I didn't start crying until I got thrown in the car. Um, Stepmom had to roll down the window and she threw me through the, he threw me through the window until he could catch up and get inside and they took off. And, um, and then I started crying a little bit, just thinking like, why can't i say bye to mom or why didn't you give me that opportunity like a formal like or some situation and um and i was in shock mode i think the anxiety kicked in at that point at a young age Uh um and then understanding what's happening or um
1: how confused. This How
0: confused can, can, and why why is it like it felt like a scene from the movies I'm being kidnapped in and it's by my own dad? And I don't understand where where what were those papers you gave mom and why why is this all happening to me? And um and I think it was I know that was the hardest thing that had happened and I think I've had a lot of issues and kind of heartbreaking situations from that but it was the best thing that had to happen because mom was not making a lot of choices and decisions and I know um, I try to live my life fully inspired and in that God uses people and um, to do things and I feel like that if dad hadn't take the initiative to go out and reach out to me you would not be seeing me right here I'd be somewhere out in Missouri. Um, I would not be, I'd be down the path. I could be even dead. I could be a prostitute. I don't know what right. I can do. I would have gone down the path as mom. And um and dad told me consistently um, when I got back home as a kid and he said, I know you're not going to understand any of this, but this is going to be a better life for you compared to what your future may have hold um and he said it's going to be okay and so i just i had to work through it and i would get a little bit tender and when mother's day had come around and i don't have a real mom and um i wasn't really liking the stepmom and and her antics and um it just it all worked out and then this is to answer your point um the question about sex in the city I think at some point maybe a few months had passed down to get onto that um I was watching TV in the living room clicking finding cartoons And I, I stopped on something. It was, it was the show. It was right there, right in front of me. And the actress, the main actress, Sarah Jessica Parker, has that wild curly hair in there. And mom has, me and mom have natural curly hair that just runs through the females of the family. And it was, it was brownish brunette. Everything that looked about mom. I didn't know who this actress was on TV. And the first instant clinked at, that's mom right there. And I'm just going closer. Like the my face so close to the TV, I can touch it and just holding it. And, um, I I started crying right there. I hadn't seen mom two or three months after being taken from her and she's on TV. And then I started thinking tender hearted, um, that mom went to become an actress and that, I don't know, maybe she left me. And then I was thinking, well, maybe she might come back for me and I'll be here and I'll just watch her on TV. And,
1: um, how old are you at that time?
0: I was probably um I had turned I had turned seven within the December after we went off to Missouri so I think I don't know maybe still seven within the following year because my birthday's in December and so maybe seven about to be eight by this point when I first grasped that on TV and saw that um I don't know um uh, of course we're everybody's thinking it's just the dialect the tone of the movie and why is this kid watching sex in the city well, and it was an. <laughs> i explained it what i said in the um, paragraph and i know people still think like why wasn't a parent around to correct her your kid and i wasn't cultured in the dialect or the tone or the language the actors were saying in the movie compared to me as an adult now i can fully understand what they're saying in tones and i know what they're doing it was just the image that stuck i because because of the um, the illnesses and depressions, anxiety, and codependency, I was codependent upon that show. Yeah, it was a coping mechanism sure. for me. And um, several times, like I would just wake up, ran. I figured out this was. I think um, I don't know if they still do this. Is like in the newspapers, they would put the program TV programs, and so when the Sunday paper came around, I would um, kind of grab it away from Dad to look up what time six in the city was. <laughs> come on <laughs> and it would usually be 11 or 11:30 at night so i had to make sure like that they were sleeping and i would crawl to the living room just to watch the show um so that was my my coping mechanism growing up and it took i don't know a year or something to realize this is not mom even though everybody was saying it but had I, you
1: told anybody that you, that you, that you were having that experience with that show at that time
0: no i will I mean, I explained several times. I think the first time when I first saw it and I started crying and then, um, dad came maybe walking through the living room and I pointed and I said, that's mom and she's on TV. And dad said, no, Sabrina, that's not mom. Um, and
1: I didn't realize though. I just,
0: I looked at him like he was crazy and I said, you're wrong. That's mom. I know what mom is. And, um, and just. Kept saying several times, and it just I couldn't accept the fact. Maybe because I was torn from that, yeah. um, from her, that I was willing to grasp and point out that this was mom, yeah. just to hold her in me, and. Um,
1: hmm. I I, see. I understand what this. I I've, yeah. I can understand this from a from a different story for myself and a different perspective. But I I did get a piece of information about somebody that I had. A relationship with also somebody that I never really got to have a physical, you know, face to face Mm -hmm. tangible bond with. And I had associated something with that person. And then many years later, someone said, well, you know, they actually didn't even like that. And I was like, wow, I've built my whole reality that with this element in it. And then the truth of the matter is that's not real at all. But it was but for me, it was a, a comfort. Mm hmm.
0: And, and, you know, um, I'm not saying, like, well, I'm trying to think on this. I went through some years after, like, I wasn't continually after a certain while I went without watching the TV shoot series and probably, I think I may have caught again on my high school years and then uh, missed out on a few shows here and there and just really what was the point. And mm. by this point in time, I think I just started revolving my life. And I um, almost like the show in general. Yeah. Um, and then, uh, but a lot of me through revolving my life of what I picked up from church, everything, like, especially what I do with the Lake Charles scene is me being service oriented and that's for me everything i've learned from aaron or from people who raised me in my church or being a missionary or service oriented people and that's my way of wanting to help people and be in the community i always um as a matter of fact i was just i went to an interview and she looked at all the things i volunteered for and she's like man you're in a lot of things in this community and, and she said what does this do to help you and i'm like or what is the purpose of all this and i was like well I don't know. I just... I don't know. I try my best. I want to be involved. I want to be busy. I want to be learned. There's a lot of people out there that need help. And all these organizations, like, if I can, if I'm mentally stable and able to. And I have... There are people saying, we need volunteers. They need help. And I... If I'm able to help someone, then I'm going to help someone. And um, given my time, setting up tents, or a lot of things... Um, as a matter of fact, one of my favorite people, I always... Loved helping Jody. You had him on Jody Taylor, Taylor yeah. on the show when he was with the Arts and Man niece. I loved helping Jody. I was always there doing all the things. Like, I never wanted to tell him no. Um, if it's he was a great person, and he still is a great person, deserves all the recognition. I was always applauding with him for everything. Um, His awards, he was being recognized for the community and just one of my favorite people I look up to and admire. I just want to be like and he was, he was so service-oriented. Always getting to know people and a lot of things i think i also picked up learning from jody is that him reaching out to community local artists i don't think there's one artist around here in this town that doesn't know jody's name Mm. um because he would personally make that connection with them and have them involved or get them set up at spring art walk or or any festival and so um that's kind of the type of person. It's not that I want people to know me, but I want to be that person that I can go up to your art booth and say, "Hi, hey, my name is Sabrina or Brini, for everybody calls me. Um what can I do to help you? Make you feel comfortable at this art walk. Um do you need something to drink? I know you're busy and everything. You want me to go walk and get you some food or something? And that's the kind of person I want to be.
1: That's that's um Humility, I think. What you just said, you know, so often, and I've heard this from many, many people, it's, well, I, w- I want to be of service if I can do this. Or I want to be of service if, you know, I get this. And I'm not saying everybody, but I do hear that sentiment like, no, but what you just said was, I just want to be of service, period. Because those things you mentioned aren't the have nothing to do with glory, right? It doesn't, and 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 I think that's an interesting thing to point out because sometimes, and I find that even with a show like this, and like with what you're doing, you have to stick yourself on it. You know, your face is on it. You know, Sabrina, Brini, people, you are that entity. You are that activity. You're tied to it. And so it can seem like it's a potentially from an outsider looking in that hey, maybe that's just for yourself mm-hmm. glorification. Um and there is danger in that too, that it could become about there, that there right? is
0: quite a lot of danger in that because people can take advantage of that. And I've I don't want to say that I want to close myself up and shut down. Um because I feel like if I close myself up and shut down, I'm going to miss out on something. And I admit I've gotten hurt a lot. I've been taken advantage a lot. I've had people backfire on me. I've been in a position where I've, um, I don't know, it's a hard position to be in where... I'm supporting everybody because that's the purpose i guess with the scene group is you support locally you support everybody yeah. But it comes to a point where um i love i i tell everybody i love all of you every single one of you um but i'm also a person who's not afraid to stand up if i have to like i mean i love you as much but Man, you are being so hateful and ugly on Facebook and internet and blasting people because they either did you wrong, they took advantage of you, or maybe they are, I don't know, whatever the situation is and continually doing something. And I've... A couple times have done that, and it's turned, and it's directed, and it's hit me back, and I've had to, I don't know, so I think I'll limit myself down to once a year to where I stand up, and <laughs> I've had talks with other people I in the think. community <laughs> where they said, man, I'm sorry, Sabrina, you went through that, and it's just because I'm so many friends with, and it's a lot of things, too. Unfortunately, um, I know a lot of things that... Um, that not everybody knows about um i think everybody finds me as a trusting person where i've had owners of restaurants of bars of businesses open up and tell me about their personal life right. what their struggles of the business is, what is a trial for them and i've had a lot of things and i and i i like that people trust me and their confidence is trust so i've had a lot of backstory for a lot of things um and then we have I don't know. And then we have people in the community just being hateful and ugly and bashing everyone. I don't know what it is with social media and Facebook, um, people bashing everyone on the on the well, internet. Well,
1: I think perhaps it's just because it's easier. It's I easy. mean, it is easy to. It, it's hard to watch your mouth. I mean, I think anger. When we're angry and we're frustrated, I mean, I'm guilty, you know, uh, in in different points in my life. And not Facebook, maybe, but different mediums and maybe even Facebook. I don't know. But I think there's an impulse to just want to lash out. And sometimes we can't lash out properly, right? I mean, so like lashing out, maybe if something's unjust, you want to do something about it. Well, there's no proper channel for it. And what we've come to call that at our house is tea kettling, you know. You're trying to do something, but all it is is leaving the tea kettle on the burner. And then before long, you start whistling. And where are you going to whistle, right? Are you going to whistle on Facebook? You know? And that's usually what happens because it's the first thing people can get their hands on. And it's a great way to shame people. I mean, I don't mean that like I think it's good, but it, it's a tool, it's, it's a weapon in that regard. You can shame somebody instantly. I mean, I could go right now and make up. I mean I've got graphics software I can go find some pictures of someone and make up a whole thing about them and just go shame them if I was vindictive and there's just it, that's the dark side of it. Mm-hmm. I think there's just a compulsion out there. I think I, I think I know what you're referring to because I kind of watch your page, you know, in your group, and I did see some things like that go on. And I, was, I yeah, and, was and other people's
0: personal pages as too that people that are on my personal page, and it's um,
1: difficult to navigate. I went that. through a
0: hard time, and all I could say is at the end I tried to be a loving person, and I tried to say hey hey man is. I don't like what you're doing, or you, he, she, whatever, um, but I love you, and, um, but I I can't support what you're currently doing and destroying people down, and, um, I was raised in a generation without all this internet and everything, and how I solved my problems with the kids was right on the playground and, right. Um, right. and pu- maybe pulling a few hairs, and that's about it. Um, well, we're kids, and then they grow up, and then we hug each other and we say we're sorry. But I don't know. Um,
1: can I be honest with you? I mean, I've been tarred and feathered by people on the internet, you know, in hurtful hurtful ways.
0: I would have never known. Yeah. I would just think you're just a well, really great mediator. But
1: and- I I, try, I tried the peaceful solution. It did not work. I'm telling you, it didn't work, and I believe in that 100%, and I still believe in it. I still believe in trying, but my, I'm going to say my enemy, unfortunately, I hate that word, but my enemy uh, chose to go another route, and and to take, and I'm just going to say it And again, I'm probably inciting someone to challenge this, but I think they took the coward's way and the coward's way is to um, kiss someone on the cheek, you know, and hug their neck. And then when they leave to go straight to the Internet and say, oh, I I just tricked you because I'm a coward and I'm going to use the Internet to tar and feather you because I can't solve things peacefully. I can't solve things face to face. I can't solve things with with any kind of conversation or elevated discourse because i can't do that i go to the internet and i just pour my venom out onto the internet and that when i see that kind of behavior even if it's in somebody i love and care about and i saw what you were going through on that and i just kind of took an outsider's role and just watched and the way what you did was try to do – I really do believe that. You tried to say the right thing. You tried to do the right thing. But there was so much anger involved in that that I don't think – I think you were in kind of the situation I was in where it wasn't just – it just wasn't going to work out.
0: It's <laughs> hard. It really is hard. And I try – I work on my communication. It is hard to put so emotion difficult. on words if you're not communicating in person. And – I'd be more than willing to give anybody my phone number, and they just call me if they don't understand. But they just want to type it out, and yeah. um, it is hard to get a point across through words. Um, sure. Sometimes I feel like even with my personal stories, people don't understand my personal stories. Um, I you know, I don't know. I just I just keep trying my best, and that's all I worry about. And if it gets to a point, there's always that block feature um, on Facebook. Sure. And. Um, I've had to learn to use that more often where I feel like they are not going to change their mind, Sabrina. Do not continually keep talking until you turn purple in the face. Sure. And just immediately block. Yep.
1: Yeah, I had um, to learn the same thing. Um, I did. And I, did. And I, did. I
0: hate that feature. Yeah, it's um, unfortunate, but so, it's
1: there for a reason.
0: So, yeah.
1: I mean here's what i've come and this show's been a big teacher for me in that and it's something i've believed but this is a great way to practice it and 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 social media again can be a great tool in that regard but words are a choice i mean you can choose to say things that and as another guest on the show said say things that are life-giving or you can say things that are destructive and you know in a, in a bad situation, just try to speak words of life. And if and if life isn't what's being received on the other end, there's not much you can do about it. You just have to keep choosing your words. And I, I feel that way because I went through the same thing. And I know I kind of felt, I guess I was putting myself in your shoes in that regard because I was like, I remember going through this. And I remember trying to dialogue. And I, and I remember trying to choose the right words. Because here's the thing that the sad reality is I can say ugly things, too. I mean, I have a show where I try to say good things, and that's a great exercise because it makes me want to say more good things because I get a better result from it. But just like everybody else, if I really let myself go into the hole, I can think of some pretty nasty things to say, too. We all can, so there's a choice.
0: I think same thing with me. I... have I think people still look at me sometimes I actually you know when you say that I think about actually went through a recent heartbreak or a parting of me and somebody I was hoping would go further in the relationship and I remember something at the beginning he said something about if it goes south of this you're not gonna blast me on the Facebook scene page are you (laughs) and I'm like no I would never (laughs) do that I'm not that type of a person and yeah things did go south um I'm still learning to let go of the hurt and the pain and the hate, and it's very easy for me to post something on Facebook and and then I have this person's mutual friends and um or. And it doesn't matter who's in the wrong or the right of the situation. You just you have to learn to control those emotions. And right. if anything, um, if I had something to say, you know, I would blow up his phone with his text messages, <laughs> possibly like an average female, or call him up or something. Um, I want everybody, anybody, to ever think that. Um, yes, um, I I could be in a position if I wanted to, and I could just easily put in that group. Um, the Facebook scene and say like, don't go to this business right here. <laughs> right. Don't go eat at that restaurant. They were slow on wait staff. That happens all the time. Well, there's already I, I, something so like that, right? There's already something like that out yeah, there. That's and, out there already. and I mean, regardless, I some of these wonderful places, people I support. Yeah, I've had some bad, maybe slow service and something, but that's not something I want to put out there. It's just minor to me. Yeah. And I've had people mistreat me in the past that I support it with my page I've just I do it in a kind way I say until you know how to communicate and to properly treat me then I will um reevaluate about how I support your business um because I can pick it back up and, and everything but I will not be like I've I've tried my hardest to not continually kissing rear end where somebody mistreats me takes advantage of me that i'm still talking about them and raving right, about them right. um because i'm not getting paid by the hour for this well, you're, you're doing like, it
1: like you said as a service a, this is
0: a service and it's a hobby for it and yeah, so i yeah. don't want to um i even think even like i, I posted some Quotes I said even Jesus Christ knew how to turn his back and walk in another direction. He wasn't <laughs> he wasn't going to let someone continually. Um, he may have turned another cheek, but he got he got to a point where he had to stand firm on his feet and say you are in the wrong. This is not right. Or turn around until they learn to be better. And then he came with arms full open. It was just it was. Um, that's the person i I try to be. you just can't walk all over me and expect me like to keep supporting and doing what you do so
2: yeah
1: well that that's interesting. I'd like to talk about that too. what do you in your opinion um and being connected with so many businesses and people and and events and going around and doing that through the late charles scene what's what's your general experience been with people? do you think it's been positive?
0: it's been positive here and there um and then it's more of a like, who's this chick and what does she do and what experience does she have? And they shrug their shoulders and they don't care because they never heard of it. Um, is she an actual reporter? Does she have credentials? Um, is she coming in with a camera crew or, or what's her purpose? Um, right. And sometimes I feel like people don't really take me serious in what I do. And so I. I don't have a a pitch to just to throw it out there and just say this fun I just kinda I just go on what I do but if they see me often and they're in their group then they kinda catch on I have to most of the time with people like that who just doesn't understand where I'm coming from or what I do I just kinda put them in my group they see what I do and they see me coming around more often and then they recognize it's like oh this is a chick she supports she loves her business it's all about the community
1: Well, I'll tell you what I like about what you're doing, Um, because there are a lot of entities that do some some version of that. Right. I mean, you have every every group that's in the area has some they post about their events and their stuff. And then you have groups that act as sort of a clearinghouse for that information. And that's all fine and dandy. It's nice to just get information sometimes. But what I like about with yours, I guess, and it's maybe just my own personal taste, is that you have your person involved in it. You're a person. You're an actual – you're not an entity. You know, it's – when I think of the late Charles scene as a page, well, sure, it's a page, but you're in it, right? You're the heart that beats behind it. Your positivity, your eagerness, your desire to go out and do it, that's what makes it special. So, I mean, I think – All that stuff you mentioned kind of sounds like when people these days, which is a sentiment that's changing, where people say, oh, well, what's your degree? You know, how much education do you have? Well, now people are starting to hire based on experience and saying, well, how passionate are you? How teachable are you? Um, How good are you at what we're hiring you to do? They're not looking as hard at, at that. And so when you're getting those questions like, well, what's your credentials? Are you a real reporter? Uh, are you coming in with a camera crew? I mean, yeah, maybe there's some of that logistically that has value. But I think seeing your passion behind it and your ability to do it and your eagerness to do it is of high value. you know. And granted, it's hard to get paid for that kind of thing. I know that from even like this kind of show. It's a similar – driven, I guess, by similar motivations of – what are my gifts and my strengths and what are my weaknesses? Let me lean into my gifts and let me turn those into a service to the community, you know, and uh, lean on those. But at the same time, it doesn't bring any kind of, you know, resources in.
0: This this is how it actually all started of, of this. It actually started years ago. Um, I think it was in 2014, possibly. I had just... Going through a breakup, I was I was dating a musician, and I went on that depression roller coaster. It was that bad, and at the time, I wasn't so active in my church, even though Aaron was wanting me to come around and um, just go to church with them and the family. And I just thought, like, huh, I don't know. And I I realized, like, I made a lot of new friends with other musicians in the community and what they were doing, and. For some odd reason, there's some idea, like, I kept asking myself several times, like, hey, somebody should just, like, promote these musicians, like, keep up to date with where they're playing, what they're doing, and instead of, like, because I'd scrounge through Facebook, and I would see a little ad here and there, and one of them be playing at, um... When it used to be Luna, um, Luna Live, or whatever barn location. And so an idea just actually, it was actually a grand idea. Like, I kept thinking more and more, I need to do something, but I never put it into action. And what motivated me, I always feel like my connection, everybody has some way of feeling inspired or feeling close to God. I always felt that a lot of my answers came through my dreams and visual sleep in it or sleeping and everything and I actually um, I wrote it down and I'm tr- I wrote it down on a blog that I want to finish and, um, I, I just literally had a dream. They have the spring art walk, the downtown, all that stuff in that local area. I was just literally walking down that section and there were people all around. I felt like I was in another art walk and there were people all around me just doing their thing. Artists and people, musicians playing and everybody making their own noises. But nobody saw me and nobody heard what I was. I was trying to reach out to them and pay no mind. They just walked past me. And, um... And I think I came down into the middle of the intersection of Broad and Rhine right in that middle crosswalk in my dream and everything went silent like nobody was making noise. It's like my dream just got muted and all I could hear repeatedly was the worst electrol scene and I, I was like who's saying that voice and I was like looking up even at the sky and like all around me is this person over here that person I was like why is saying and I woke up kept saying that those words to me and I wrote it down on a paper thinking like what is this supposed to be all about and I went into work and I said I know what to do with this um so I created the group and I thought I'm just going to share stuff and I was sharing I first started off doing nightlife Uh if people remember me i think the only few people is like especially jody taylor he was around when it first when i first started doing this um very few people were around when i first started doing this and i focused mainly on the nightlife activities like bars music bands um and i was always constantly going out and trying to support and take pictures um and here's the thing about being a person tied into the group and people are going to especially you people are going to make their assumptions about you and put it with what you do and unfortunately i didn't like what the image was being betrayed they took me as the nightlife person Mm. and that can be great to an extent but what other hobbies um is more like they thought i was part of and unfortunately like That's where a lot of my drinking habits came into, being a part of the nightlife a lot. Sure,
1: I can see that.
0: And then a lot of bad situations where I had people who associated with me in the group and they felt close that they can make their moves and a lot of inappropriate gestures. So I I was having a hard time and I had to... Uh, luckily, it went down the when I first started, it went down the Lake Charles scene years and ago. How long,
1: oh, so I didn't realize. Okay, so well, this has been a while. It was like back. up.
0: It was in two, thousand fifteen or fourteen. Oh, okay. It was up for a little while, like three, four, five months. But and you then
1: realized, like, hey, this is. It was it.
0: Hap- it was happening too much because I was on another perspective I was focusing mainly on nightlight stuff and as it was also when I got off from my job I got off at eight o'clock at night from one of my jobs and then I went strolling on to the next thing to go support someone's band or take pictures and I didn't think too much harm about it but it definitely got me into a lot of bad situations um where I've just I've been saved by the nick of hair or whatever um
1: yeah like you're right on like you, you just basically danced through the raindrops so yeah it's i got was out of i trouble. was
0: like got out of through a lot of trouble um saw a lot of ugly things um that i wish i don't know It was just kept but people again for some odd reason they see me as that person they open up and they express their desires and it was just too much and well
1: that's potentially because you you seem like you are open like you're willing to share that's a gift but it can also be a conduit you Mm -hmm. know and open you up to other things that aren't necessarily healthy Mm -hmm.
0: so one when i had restarted it this back last um the end of the last year i tried to make a point that um because things that i needed to change my life i can't resort to myself as the nightlife girl um it's anything and everything activities something going on around and i wanted to include more other than the music and scene life um i wanted to include restaurants and businesses and small people who are doing their own arts and crafts and and everything in general so um i try to keep it up there and then i try to tell myself like you cannot be constantly out on a monday through friday at a bar you have to learn how to watch your image and not put yourself in a situation again and yeah it's your personal life and you can do whatever you want and i have gone out a few times in the past but to save my mental health and to watch situations um and it it also drains you It, it drained me at the beginning i was always out ever i wanted to support everybody but i'm a one person show doing this whole thing and i can't be um in one night i would literally there would be five events maybe happening on a saturday night and i told All of them, I would be there. So I'm hopping in my car, going everywhere. um, Yeah, that's a lot of work. Spending time with them. (laughs) and And then also out of my own pocket, because I had this thing where I refused to let anybody um, get me in the door for free if it was a band I had to pay my way, because that's how the musicians make their money, and I didn't want to be that person. Um, So a lot of my resources, I was probably ending up back as a broke college kid um, at places so um, <laughs> right. and i had no money just to get in the door a lot and i'm happy
1: i know it. i'm do you ever hear a good song on the radio that just moves you maybe it stirs your heart but then it starts to move your body too do people around you say things like you've got rhythm or where do you get your energy Well, I've got a secret for you. That might be your dance coming out, and the Whistle Stop Dance Sport might be just the job your dance is looking for. I know your first thought, but I don't have any dance experience. That's one of the good things about this opportunity. You don't need years of dance experience to do it. What Whistle Stop Dance Sport is searching for is a multi-dimensional talent. What does that mean? Okay, I'll tell you. You see, dance goes far beyond formal training, though that is a plus. Being able to dance means you can take life by the hand and let it put one arm around your waist and move to the rhythms that flow your way. To be a dance instructor at Whistle Stop Dance Sport, you'd need to have experience working with children, good rhythm, positive energy, and a personality for people. Dance Sport works to enrich children's lives by offering social, emotional, behavioral, and cognitive skills that naturally build confidence. Through dance, these children develop self-esteem, express themselves creatively, and strengthen critical thinking skills. Does the thought of affecting young lives in a positive way stimulate your mind, your heart? Do you want to do something that matters? Something that could really change the course of a young person's life? Then maybe that's why you heard about this dance instructor position with Whistle Stop Dance Sport. You can send your resume or letter to Whistlestop Dance Sport, 1518 18th street lake charles louisiana 70601 that's 1518 18th street lake charles louisiana 70601 training dates for this position start in july 2019 so if you feel you may be right don't wait to send in your resume if you'd like to hear more about this position call whistle stop dance sport at 337-515 Seven five seven seven. That's three three seven five one five seven five seven seven. 515 7577 And if you do call, do me a favor and let them know you heard about this on Find the Good News.
0: Well. So uh, my energy, my time, my resources, it was just all going out the window in so much of a fast time that I thought you're going to have to narrow it down. Everybody knows you love them. You can't be everywhere in one night. So you're going to have to, if you're going out somewhere to support, go to something wholesome that is going to help you and is not going to put you in a stressful situation.
1: So that kind of begins to change your direction right there, having that thought, right?
0: Yeah, as well, where I've I've learned to, um, if it's going to compromise my standards, if it's going to put me, in a situation, despite I love everybody and they make their own choices, I've I've had to learn in the past because I had drinking issues. If I'm going to a place, I need to be around supportive people that know, like, okay, we don't put Sprint around the bar. Um, or make sure she's drinking water in case she slips behind her back and grabs an alcohol and we can help her or she can help herself. Um, I try to, I don't know, limit myself around nightlife time, can And I- that... Yeah. Well, right I'm ahead. just
1: curious because I'm just, I'm wondering, you, you've mentioned this drinking problem a couple of times and you can, you don't have to talk about this. It's totally mm-hmm. yeah. up to you, but you sound like you've gotten a, a good handle on that. Whatever, what, to whatever capacity that, that was affecting your life. Like, what did you do to get a handle on that? Cause it's not all, doesn't always work out that way for everyone. Oh
0: man. That was, it was, it was hard. Um, people, it was actually people in my church. It was, um, really. So, what had had started is I went through that breakup and then I started the drinking, and at the same time, the drinking and the scene thing. So, it was kind of clashing uh,
1: okay. a little bit. And that's just back wearing from, you down. Like, and that's aww. also
0: wearing me down, too. I gotcha. um, a back and forth situation. And this, I first had a lot of major issues and just constantly, constantly drinking all the time, all the time. And then it got to a problem where I was walking to the. Um, gas station at the end of my road and just buying a case of beer or liquor and just walking back home because I was and drinking alone and <laughs> drinking alone and then drinking the whole case in one night yeah. um, I knew I had issues and um, and then I, I realized after that point it, it was getting bad. and then I actually did reach out to people in my church and people like Aaron and and everyone and I told them I had an issue and it could have been brought to an occasion where we could have brought me to the AA meetings and I thought, no, I don't want to do that. And they said, well, something has to give. You're going to have to like, would you do counseling and go to a therapist and talk about all the things you're going through. And I said, oh, I'll do that, but don't bring me to an AA. So, um, luckily I didn't go through that situation. Um, I withdrew myself for a long while, for a couple of years not going to the bars for a Mm. long while and then i got into running through the lake Er area running organization so i started running with them and that kind of conflicted with um i was trying to practice healthy choices of eating and not drinking often and yeah runners here and there they'll drink Uh, it's no biggie but i knew with my problems there was no way i could affect all that alcohol um into into the running so i made the decision right there i had a trainer helping me out prepare for a half marathon when i first got into it i just knew like right here at this point no drinking you focus on everything and then when i got done with the race my next goal was it's like okay you got rid of the drinking you're doing pretty good and decent. You haven't been to the bars in a long while. I don't think you're tempted. Let's focus on going back to church and getting everything um, straight and your life fixed with God and stuff. So went back to church, and they helped a lot of things. Um, so all together, how I coped um, with it is I had to with recognize the problem like everybody does recognize the addiction then pull yourself away from it and then learn to ask for help and reach out for it um there were some things i was uncomfortable with that i didn't want to do but then there were alternatives like you're going to have to even though you don't want to go to the meetings you're going to have to do something else to help you you can't just say you don't want to do this Mm. Um, you're going to have to get some help and i was willing to make some compromises give up some some things, and I think that's when Aaron kind of took a point and stepped in, literally called me every single weekend. What are you doing Friday night? What are you doing? Where are you at? Where are you going? Take a picture. Send it to me ah, right now. Um, made you accountable. Yeah, in a way, like because I, I even asked. Um, I just said just check up on me, and um, he said where are you at, or or just, and there would be inches. Like I would have the urge to just want to drive down to the nearest bar, and he said no, just come come because he lives in soft rooms and I love he's going like, to just drive over here, it's fine. Um and they didn't want me so um going out. So I had I had resources and havens to go to. That's to awesome. Help me, I love
1: that word.
0: Um to help protect me. That word just kinda came out oh, I didn't yeah. even know it was in That's, my vocabulary. I
1: mean a haven is just the sound of it, I've always loved that. I mean the safe haven is just such a wonderful harbor i mean it's like a a place of solace and comfort what a wonderful word it's a great way to describe what they were providing havens for you that's so great
0: it it was it was a safe place for me to be at and usually he would just they would ask "Are you doing okay and i said yeah i'm doing great and we wouldn't talk much and just maybe watch a movie and then I would quickly, I was tired, and I'd pass out on the couch and just went to bed. And then the next morning, it was a new day. Maybe it was Sunday morning, and um, I. they said, you coming to church? And I said, yeah, I just need to drive home. Well, most of the time, they would just say, if it's Saturday, just bring some church clothes with you. Spend and night. We're all going to church together. Because then I started making up things like, yeah, I'm going home. I'm going to change my church clothes. But then I didn't show up at church. Mm. So then Aaron Lynetta had to get smart on me and say, <laughs>
1: bring your church, bring clothes. your church
0: clothes, change your riding in our vehicle and you're going to church with us.
1: Yeah, I love that. I mean, Aaron, I, what's crazy is knowing Aaron and you telling these stories. Do you know what I mean? Because I, I. I wish and maybe somebody listening to this will know Aaron, but if you don't know him, it's it's just uh, it's hard to really get your arms around like who he really is. I mean, there is a certain amount of joy around him and honesty.
0: I love that you just said that word joy. Do you if you can just imagine that is his expression all the time. He will break (laughs) the word joy down for everything. I have artwork in my home that he's given sermons and speeches he says joy stands for j for jesus o for others y for you and he's and he would constantly over all the years it's like go out and find joy sabrina and i hear that word all the time coming from him joy and i i live my life because he inspires me it's like my I don't know always been a best friend good counsel he just he's been there through and helped and seen a lot of the struggles and pains i've gone through uh i had a hard time on family support for understanding or being there and so him and his wife would be there to help me and aaron you know when we talk about this situation it can be easy for people to have anger and bitterness and hate in their heart and to live a certain way that they do, or if they've had a lot of pain. And I know Aaron, I don't know too much, a lot of personal things, other than a few stories he's told me. But from him telling me that he was in the Marines and he was a sniper, Mm -hmm. I can only imagine some of the pain and things that he's seen visually with his eyes um, that can cause a lot of um, maybe anger and issues in him mm-hmm. and um and he said when he got out of the marines I think he went to become a missionary I don't know what happened first is yeah, either missionary first I I th- cuz I remember a story I thought he told me he went the marines first and then a missionary because he, he said did. um um because average guys go on missions when they're I think 18 or 19 yeah, I think he, he was said older. he was older in the time he went did a service and he said a lot of that being in the marines um he would tell us funny stories of how he would have to bow up and get onto slacking other missionaries to kind of straighten up and um, <laughs> not be depressed and like yeah. or to do their work and be in the service of God because I mean like even missionaries struggle. Um, sure. Trying, they're not all positive, happy people. They have to motivate themselves to. Well, um, that's
1: a hard. That's a hard thing. I can't. Can you imagine? I mean, really. I mean, people have never been on a mission, and I haven't. But I mean, I've encountered enough of them to see it. I think they're. You can see on by the look on their face when they, when someone opens the door and says, "Well, yeah, come on in. I've got coffee," or "Come on in. I've got you know." Well, not with Mormons. Not going to (laughs) get not coffee, but but I mean, do you know what I'm saying? Yeah. I mean, come on in for a drink or what have you and it's like oh gosh thanks (laughs) you know it's like a relief because so often more often than not it's okay thanks bye i'm busy or or nobody answers the door at all that's hard i mean day in and day out you could get depressed in your mission i could see
0: defeated there um i mean if you sit down or look up stories it's it's not easy especially the men they go in missions two years the females a year and a half um there there are situations where missionaries have to go home and they can't complete the mission because they get homesick or something happens um a guy could be on the mission, and his girlfriend that he left back home, that he was hoping to marry to come back home, just sends him a Dear John letter <laughs> right. and says it's she's true. marrying his best friend down from the corner where they grew up. And now that's affected him sure. um, on the mission. That's turned his outlook of he needs to reach out and help people and be service-oriented and full of love and Um, Doing the work of God. But now something personal has come into the picture. And it's hard to take. um, It takes a lot of strength to um, detach the personal. Pull away the personal things. And focus on what you need to do. Like as a job. And you be in the service of God. And um, I don't know how the leaders of the church. How the. It's mission presidents that are over missionaries. I don't know how they reach out. How they. How they counsel? I'm sure there's a lot of counseling involved with each missionary. They do talk. They do open up. They will say, "My girlfriend or boyfriend just broke up with me," and and all this stuff, or my mom and dad just passed away back home, and I don't know what to do about it. There there is a lot of support in the system, and we. I don't want anybody to think that a missionary um, doesn't go through struggles or like a, a hard time goes, and we they. They reach out and they love them. And if a decision is made where someone has to go home, that that shouldn't be something judged. Even sure. I think even people in our church, um, when a missionary comes home before expected time, everybody always thinks, "Well, what went wrong? Like, man, you couldn't cope. It wasn't like you couldn't." Well, everybody
1: everybody and, has a, a limit to what they yeah. can do. We're all different.
0: And a lot of things. A lot of it also is um, physical conditions some people have physical situations they're they send people out of country as well for these mission trips i mean the way how it goes is you send in your letter and then a certain amount of time comes in and you get your location yeah and well they that's tell like you. i said
1: to the guys that came in my house are from australia mm-hmm. you know which was a blessing to be honest i got to visit and learn about you know a part of the world i probably won't get to travel to and so yeah, I mean, and he was away from home, you know. But it was neat to to we we shared swap stories, and I think that that's there's a high value in that. I really think there is, and in, in in going on a mission, I've never been again, but I can see the how it could potentially be really enlightening, you know, and shaping.
0: It, it's a great thing, and some I've learned. I always told, I was telling Aaron this past Sunday. Uh, I was. He, he asked me when I broke down, and I just said, I just want to be a missionary. And I said, have you always known this about me, Aaron? And I said, I just want to do mission work. And he said, well, what else is going on? I asked, because in our church, um, it's always family-oriented. And that's a great thing about our church and everything. And sometimes when they put the emphasis on focusing on families and reaching out, You have your few odd ones, the ones like me who don't have their own family in the church with you, and you have your adopted church family, you don't have a husband, you don't have kids, and then you start to cave in and think, well, what's wrong with me? Am I not good enough? Nobody wants to marry me. Um, Mm. Am I ever having kids? And then you start looking at and picking at every single little thing around you, like I've done in the past, and say, I'm never going to have kids. I'm never going to find someone. And so... With the small, intricate details like that, I've always had my odd little concerns of of this. And so I said jokingly, I said, Aaron, I'm done with guys. I don't want to deal with guys right now. If you're <laughs> okay with that, that's fine. I'm going through some hard relationship stuff. I said, I just want to be a missionary. He said, that's great. I think at one point I expressed this to a previous pastor, um, not Aaron, or, and I said, I don't want to get married. Um, I just want to be a missionary. I want to go preach the gospel all my life, and I said I want to be just like Paul. And then um, from the scriptures, and then the bishop, very smart, and intelligent, said, um, Screeny, you do know Paul had a wife." And I said, no, he didn't. And he said, I did. And he's like, I oh, know he didn't. Just open up the scriptures. And he read maybe a single odd verse. I don't even know where he pulled it at. And he said, Sabrina, all these apostles had wives. All of them left home to go on a mission. I said, I didn't know that. <laughs> and then when he said that and he read that verse and I said, and like thinking I'm still the winner here. And I said, okay. So Paul had a wife and um, still want to be a missionary. So, let's just, I don't know. I think I've always had this struggle, and I'm still learning to have a lot of confidence in myself. I'm so focused on, on doing missionary work and reaching out to people. That's all I ever wanted to do. And, um, and Aaron said, okay, well... Um, I know, Sabrina, these are all the things. And I I actually wanted to go in a full-time missionary like the ones you see wearing tags. Yeah, right. And I was given that opportunity when Aaron was the bishop himself Mm -hmm. during that time. And um, I could have proceeded going forth and was getting my work done. But then a lot of health complications came in. Um, My depression was kicking it. And we could have proceeded forward. But then something grasped hold of me. I had been planning ever since I was... 15 to go on a mission and by this point when aaron offered it to me i was 21 and i sat down with aaron um and some other leaders and something came a hold of me and i said you know i've always wanted to wear that name tag on me and now i feel like that name tag is nothing because technically the name tag is in me it's mm. inside of me yeah and yeah. And our leaders have constantly have reached out to people in the church. It's like, you don't need to wear that tag to prove that you are a missionary. And everybody out in this world, whether if you are members of my church, members of another church, if your life is full of Christ, you're all missionaries. You're all sharing the word. You're all reaching out to people. So you don't need to have an official paper or something on you to declare that on you. And I think I just... And something came on to me. I thought, I don't know how I knew it, but I remember it. And I think it's part of what I do today. I told Aaron and I told the other later, I said, I feel like my mission is here in Lake Charles. Mm. And I don't know why I said it. I was thinking, and then I went forth and I kept thinking, man, spring, you're dumb. You just threw away an opportunity. They could have sent you out of country. They could have sent you into another state <laughs> anywhere outside of Louisiana and just threw it out the door. And I kept thinking, like, my mission was here in Lake Charles because all I ever knew was Lake Charles Calcasieu Parish, and this was way before the Lake Charles scene was ever created. And, um, and there, at that point, there were times I strayed away from church. I become a lost sheep, and then I got into the drinking and the depression and dating. Guys that weren't good for me, and then I picked up all that, and it's like another round circle. And here I am. And after all that accomplished, I I now believe what I said was the right words at the beginning that my mission. Everybody has a mission. You just have to find your mission. And I still believe that my mission is here in Lake Charles mm. until it takes me elsewhere. And I think part of that mission is the Lake Charles scene. Um, Thanks my favorite tv show um uh, sex in the city the main character was a writer. i want to be a writer if i can get it all out together um that's my mission and i know i'm affecting a lot of lives and connecting people just in and on um i think one guy you probably met named robbie lewis mm-hmm. he um i think he was asking for a drummer and then i i have met a great decent drummer that was in a metal band and all of a sudden they're really good friends now and I just because I referenced his name and I I randomly I think when I first contacted especially Robbie and um, he was telling me about what his purpose with him and his partner were doing with their with their thing oh yeah and then I randomly came out and i hope i said it right to him i always try to word my words carefully and i say hey there's a guy doing exactly what you're doing but it's not just music he's focusing on a lot of other people and i said your name oh and and then i say you need to look him up and um or and i say if you need any help or training or an idea of what you need to do and i say go follow that guy's page or something and i said but other than that i don't know any people doing podcast around this town or i said but yeah go see that guy or whatever and so and then all of a sudden i see him commenting or talking yeah we connected that's right and
1: that is that's right you're right that's how isn't that beautiful that's the positive side of of social media and then also combining that of course with face-to-face conversations and getting out in the real world is that it's just another wonderful communication tool that we could use to make those kinds of connections. I mean, that's exactly what you did. I mean, I love that, because we talk all the time now.
0: Yeah, and you know? and I figured he was going to come across you, and it's not – I hate saying it's my credit. It's something – it's God that inspires me to say the right things at the right moment, so I always, I'm always, i always watching myself. I I don't want to ever be prideful. I don't want to come across that person. Um I even I even get a little bashful when people reach out to me and say, Hey, it's that scene chicks and everything and they see me as a person. Yes, there's a person tied to the group, but I always try to focus there, turn the story around and I say guy thank you so much and and try to have them focus on what the group is all about and the people within it and get them a little bit more involved.
2: Yeah.
0: Um, so it's more about practicing my humility and being humble and, um, my practice, I, I, it's like everything that I saw and admired from Jody, cause he's exactly like that, that person. He's so humble about every single thing. And I, I just thought I'm going to have to implement some of those things I learned from that guy into my life. And, um, and hopefully I do just as good, uh, sometimes. So,
1: yeah, I, I just love this. I mean, it, I'm, I'm trying to it, I love it when something kind of confounds me, you know, because some people you can say, oh, they do this and you can sort of make an outline and it's like a container and that container has a color and a name and it looks a certain way. and And that's that person. Right. But with you, I've just as I've been listening to you talk and these wonderful stories and how it all just connects and makes you who you are and 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 how it motivates you and affects what you're doing. I can't really put a container around that, and that's not a bad thing. That's kind of an awesome thing because it means you can kind of plug into anything and bring your service, and that's what it sounds like you've done. I mean, be. Being a volunteer and being of service in different capacities and in humble ways, not having to take the front seat all the time, you know, and not having to do the the, the top job. But you're willing to take the other job, too, just to be of service uh, and with joy, too. That's, that's of great value to a community to have people like that in it.
0: I've, I've had a lot of people that I've looked up to and I've learned from that all these qualities and and a lot of the experiences, like, you made a comment about my personal, my personal stories as well. I know some of them are, um, me opening them are extremely frightening, and I don't mean to, like, scare people, but I need people to understand there are bad things out there in this world, but there is a possibility and a chance to proceed forward with your life. Mm. And, um, I, I don't technically believe that God intended for me to deal with a lot of the things I dealt with as a child, but I believe that people were given the ability to make their own choices. Um, and act inappropriately that affected me as a kid. Like I, yeah, I had a, absolutely. I, I had a stepmom, very abusive, did a lot of terrible things to me um, when my dad wasn't around. And um, but I think the grand plan of it all is that God wept as much as I wept, and somehow organized a way that I'm gonna make a way for her to survive and get through, and I'm gonna have, I'm gonna create a creative, plan and a future almost like this was all going to maybe he foresaw this happening um and by people's choices and um in a way that it's all going to come out all right at the end because it's going to make her stronger and it's going to make her better and some people just wonder it's like I don't know how that's possible but um I would say when I was Getting into my teenage years, dealing with—I had a lot of anger. I couldn't forgive a lot of people. Um, I couldn't forgive my my past stepmom, everything she did. It was just—what well, was very,
1: abuse? I mean, based was, on the stories, you were abused. I it mean,
0: was, yeah. And um, but I think growing older and doing what I do with the scene, um, I'll try to see people as something good hmm. and despite that people make bad choices, you know, like, the... I've had... I've had boyfriends. I've had relationships cheat on me. I've had people abandon me. i had people leave me. And even though, for the sake of it, I may have had to disconnect myself at the end of it all. I may cry, cry, cry. But I, like, I turn and, and say, God loves that person. There's some good in that person. Um... But they just made a really bad decision and choice to affect and put pain on me. So in time, when I heal and when I get better, I can see this person again later on in mm. life and greet them with my arms wide open, and they don't have to feel bad thinking like I have done and caused that much pain to Sabrina. And that's a
1: hard thing to do. So... That's hard. I mean, I, I think about this a lot whenever I get muddled in um, or mired in you know, almost needless theological conversations where we have differences. I, I I tell my wife this all the time. I said, I'm still trying to love my neighbor. I'm still just trying to do that. I haven't even figured that out because I've still, and if I can't even get to that, how in the world can I even begin to start tackling some of these other the minutiae of all these little differences i said i've just got to get the basics right i still haven't you know fed the poor i still haven't you know helped bury the dead i still haven't done a lot of things you know what i'm saying like they the basics and i, I mean I,
0: I, yeah i absolutely get it like i mean sometimes we think um to your story, like, we can do as much good as we want, and the community will reach out and help all these people, and that's great and everything, but then you got that one person, like, some a lesson applied to me in class. I remember it was a Sunday school class, and they said, who can we serve, or who can you help and reach out to? And I was thinking, like, naming all the answers, the poor, the weak, the ones who don't have shelter, da-da-da-da-da, all those people down the list, and they said, Everybody, everybody's having a hard time. Everybody's mm. having a struggle. Even the ones who have a smile on their face, sitting right next to you. Even the ones you can't get along with. And it said, but you don't automatically choose the one you don't get along with to want to help because yeah. you just you have some hate and hatred. And um, this this actually happened about four ish five years ago, or I don't know. I was going through some situation wasn't active in church and this girl i grew up with in my church for some odd reason i could do everything right and try to live the gospel but i couldn't stand this one girl in my church and i always was felt like this jealousy issue like fighting over the attention of the boys in the class and um and she was a little bit older than me and we always fought said ugly words and everything and she was I, at the end of all I was very selfish and she was going through a struggle too she was understanding why is Sabrina so hateful why does she not like she even said that out loud one day to me after all through all of it I, must, I said some ugly words and she said why do you hate me what have I done to you and I, at that point I was just like, I don't care whatever I went on and I think some time passed and I was going through a hard time, and this taught me a lesson about forgiveness, especially with her. Um, she was still on my Facebook, and I had posted, of course, I'm not active in church, and I posted something that my, my scriptures I had left in the back of my truck. And um, put in a bag, and it rained, and the rain soaked through the bag, and it ruined the scriptures. Mm. And these scriptures were given to me um, right at the beginning when I was first baptized by someone who reached out to me that meant a lot to me, and they were just now completely ruined. I had spent years, my scriptures are so marked up with, and like, random bits of knowledge it yeah. was like the holy revelations gra- yeah like the holy grail to me i held it so close to me and i literally even though i was not active in church i literally cried and cried of my carelessness and i made a comment i posted it on facebook and i said something like well looks like I just need to make a change in life and uh, need to start over well she saw that comment she or that picture and she reached out maybe sometime later and was asking me questions in my inbox every now and then she reached out this girl she said hey uh, what's your address and I thought because I knew she just got married and I thought she was about to send me some invite to uh, maybe she I don't know maybe she got pregnant I don't know some invite to some party for her relating and I gave her my address, and then she asked me, what's your favorite color? And I'm like, I don't know. Like, well, it's blue. Like, I like blue. And I'm like, why are you asking these scriptures? And then the next morning, she said, look, I don't know how to hide it, because you're, you're going to know it's from me, but you're going to get a package coming from Salt Lake City. I just ordered you a quad set scriptures. Um, there is a local store here in Lake Charles. You can print your name on it. And, um... And you're just going to know it's from me because it'll have my name and address from the sender and everything. And then um, just in case you're wondering, I just broke down and started crying. I'm thinking of all people who gave me a gift, it was the girl I tormented for so long and was so full of anger, said a lot of ugly cuss words to. I gave her life a hell. And all of a sudden, she just did this, this one thing that I was going through a hard time and struggled with other things. I called, Aaron was the first person I called up. I was crying on the other end and screaming. And I said, you won't believe what she just did. She just bought me some scriptures. And he said, well, how do you feel? And I said, I don't deserve them. And then he said, well, why do you not deserve them? And I said, you know why? Aaron knew, because he was always in the middle between her and I. He said, you know why? You know I treated her like crap all these. Years and now she's just doing something nice for me, and um, and I just all of a sudden just said, I love her, and um, he said, I think you need to call and tell her that. Aaron said, and that's where the peace had created in me. And I saw this quote from somewhere is that the moment you know you've forgiven and moved on is when the opportunity comes where that person who's who's done a lot of hurt and damage and caused a lot of pain in your life or destroyed you to an extreme, they're now at a complete low in chaos in their life, and you're in a position where you have that power to retaliate or maybe destroy them back. It's like the hand has now switched, Mm -hmm. and you can do whatever it is to destroy hurt them back, but you choose not to do so. Um, And in this case, this girl... Knowing that she had resources on her and she had some financial means, she could reach out and buy me some scriptures where I couldn't afford them financially at the time. And um, she had put the past behind her and she proceeded to go forward. Um, I didn't give her a sorry in the past. I think the sorry was right there. Like maybe I had called her up and I said, I'm sorry for everything. She was never given a sorry in the past before. So she made her step forward. So she realized that the greater choice is that she saw someone that hurt her in the past, but it was in pain and struggling and, um, and depressed. And so she reached out and gave me a gift and that, I, I still have that scriptures. So I have other scriptures where I particularly save her scriptures that she gave me. Um,
1: what effect that, that's a, the fact that you're sharing that story, tells you that it left an imprint on you.
0: It it did. It it taught me to that it taught me a lot of things about forgiveness. Um Mitch Alba, my favorite writer, he's known for the Five People You Meet in Heaven and Tuesdays with Maury. He wrote in the book The Five People You Meet in Heaven about hatred. He said hatred is a curved blade and the damage you do to others it you do to yourself. And I try to, I try my hardest to focus on that. I feel like late, lately, with some of the heartaches and pain I've gone through recently, it's, it's come. But I know it, it all works out. You just, it's always a work in progress. And um, I focus on that. At the end of it all, if I, if I can remember to love people, yeah. Anger, you know, anger is natural. Everybody's gonna get angry, and I have to recognize that and be angry for a little while. But having long-harbored hatred um, and letting that seep in you is, is not a healthy yeah, thing. Yeah, you're
2: right.
1: It's like something um, under the ground that's just in the water.
0: Yeah. And, I mean, it's its okay. And I have to talk this through. And sometimes in my emotions and counseling of the past, I talk it through with, um, with Aaron. It's okay to feel angry about something. Like, I'm angry that you didn't do this. Right, Sabrina, I told you several times, um, but I still love you. Um, as, a, as a matter of fact, speaking of anger and intimidation, like, this man Aaron I've always looked up to. There were only one time in my life I've only seen him angry ever since I was 15. And I was extremely rebellious, like a wild... Potty mouth person and just tangent and off the walls and being ugly and disgraceful and disgraceful and disrespectful to him and everybody around me because I didn't know how to seek out help and get the help. I didn't want the help, and all of a sudden, um, I don't know. It's like the marine came out of him and he, he stood.
2: Bit
0: <laughs> he bit in and it scared me and I thought, "Ooh, I pushed his buttons," and and then I ran out and then I knew from that point in time. I would never push his buttons again um, because he definitely showed the force and power. I was just that scared. Um, and that was just the one time I've seen him disappointed. Um, but
2: That's because he, he, he
0: has... And it is interesting because I say this because he is calm and reflected. He doesn't hardly ever show that emotion of anger and he doesn't, his family around him, have never, maybe because I'm not around him and often, and he's had this right, he has the right, is someone he took me in and their family kind of adopts me in, he has the right to maybe be angry for all the ugly stuff I've ever done and retaliated to him and to correct me as a child, um, other than that one time and that was it, um, he, it's a, it's a hard practice, but it's possible, to control the emotions and the anger and the outburst and that's something i know him very well from that i think even a church teaches their family members and focuses a lot on the family and especially within a marriage of husbands and wives and how they um how they reach out and council members and how they coordinate and help each other and and with the children and everything, and no family is perfect, but um to me I feel like the youngs in general, like if there was a perfect family, anybody in general, I would think it's them. They have their ups and downs, but I don't I don't see any of their kids hollering and being ugly and disrespectful or disrespectful or cussing up a storm or storming out the house. Like I ain't listen to you, Dad. And I've never seen Aaron and his wife say a cuss word and say i'm tired of this and this and this you need to get your act together sure um more of, i mean maybe the regular tone of like hey i told you to put down the video games go clean your room go clean your room and that's about as far as it goes. but from that example i've always i've always had the worst i don't know why it is my situation i think maybe god intends it for this way i've always had the worst family background settings. I was never raised in a really great condition. I've seen, um, relationships, marriages fall apart. I've seen abuse. I've went through abuse. I've, I've seen a lot of chaos. I've went, seen a lot of bad examples in my life from family members and friends. And I think when I got in the church, when I had people like the Youngs and everything, I never had anything up to that point to, um, I didn't grow up with the best background situations, but I had people placed in my life to give me something to look upon. So I think a lot of everything that I do, especially with the like Charles scene and how I present myself, is because of me being raised in a very decent, whole setting, church environment, being around decent people, um... A lot of those people have drastically changed my life for the best, and, um, and I may have slipped up here and there, but the good thing about people in my church, and it just may not be people in church, people that are very good-hearted and friends and Christian-like have reached out their hand and say, we know this is not you, Breenie and you're in pain and you're struggling, and let me take your hand for a moment and drag you back on the right path. And help you focus, and it's going to be all right. And we're going to bring you back there and bring you back home. And um, so, don't don't have any fear. We're just going to help you out for a little bit.
1: You you literally everything you've said today in in that particular subject, every way you've described your church family, and the way the Youngs have loved you and 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 just embraced you is love, mercy, and compassion. I mean, love, mercy, and compassion over and over again. I mean, you haven't said those words, but that's what you've described. I mean, what more could you ask for? And how, what a blessing. I know that you had a lot of suffering and sorrows. I mean, I've read what you've put out there and, and some of the things you've talked about today that are things I didn't know. But you can receive the gift of their love, mercy, and compassion and see it for what it is. Honestly, with bigger eyes and more understanding, because you had those things happen to you, you're able to fully accept it. Because I, I, I do see out in the world sometimes, and it's, it makes me sad when I see it, um, where people just immediately are sh- are turned away from like a church or an organ or a group or anything like that. They just immediately go, I don't I don't do that. I don't want to be a part of that. Um. And maybe it's because that church hurt them. Who knows? Or maybe they've been hurt by that because that does happen to people, too. But in your situation, you've been able to see all of that embrace the full to get the full hug. You know what I'm saying? I mean, what a what a wonderful gift that is. I mean, you've been given a special pair of eyes through your life. That's that's I don't know. I mean, you said all those little particular things that have made you you. You know, has also made your connection with the young family in your church even more dynamic. Thanks for being so honest about all
0: of that. <laughs> I'm, I'm extremely honest. I tell people if they have a question, i just I'll bear it out. Sometimes I think the only thing I'm afraid of, I get afraid I scare people because I literally just put it out there. My openness <laughs> and um, and that could be good and bad people could take advantage of that and find ways to dig deep and hurt and it's gotten me hurt recently and uh, many times um where i've opened up too much and uh, about me personally um
1: yeah but you know what i i get it i mean i'm pretty open to i I don't know if i'm too open i don't even know what (laughs) i don't know I mean, I don't know. This show, you if you've listened to it, you know I mean? I'll talk to anybody about anything. And sometimes to do that, I have to open up about things that are maybe ugly or um, painful or tell a story that's not necessarily fun to tell. But it's the truth, you know? And people are made up of a bunch of truths. I mean, the reality is all of us are made up of a bunch of truths. We just don't always tell the truth about ourselves.
0: And a lot of things that... Or me coming out on, and I hope down the line when I, I get things, situation things that I, I recently post, because actually Aaron's wife Lynetta, she posted up because I was doing for a long while like post little random odd tidbit facts about me. Yes. Yeah, and Lynetta made a comment. She said like. Um, I love what you're doing. You have plans to be a writer, right? And you want to write books. And I said, yeah, I'd love to. And she said, you're doing great in opening up. But also just keep in mind, like hold some of that stuff in because when you actually publish it now and people are just reading again. So sometimes I debate back and forth in the back of my head of like how much I just want to tell you all about mm. it. But I also want to put it in a book and then put it out there, and then you can just read the book or, well, the, or the blogs as well.
1: I I, um, I I kind of am on the fence about that. I mean, I would say, on one hand, if you didn't put that stuff out there, I don't think – I mean, I'm just going to only speak for myself, okay? And I'll just say it. Like, if you didn't put that out there the way you do, I wouldn't have connected with it. And, I mean, it's touched my heart, not just in a way I – don't, I don't want you to think I mean that in a way, oh, that's a sad story, or oh, that's touching. It touches my heart because of my own personal pains. I may not have went through exactly what you went through, but I know – People who maybe have went through something similar or maybe I can still frame some of my own suffering or memories through what you endured and the way you've transmuted those things into gold, you know, so I think there's value in putting it out there. On the flip side, I have I've actually read books um of people's facebook posts they, they've like they will take those things and use those as sort of chapter markers and then flesh them out even further in a book and i've read things like that too so i think you could probably do
2: both
0: and i and i was thinking a lot of the things um i get triggered by something memories like the sex in the city and relating to my mom of course and triggered by memory or relating of how i watch It just dug into, like, why are you so addicted to the show? Where did it start? And then I, of Uh. course, remember it and just put it out there in in writing. And then other stuff that just—things that will come out that I'm currently dealing with or memory that just back-jogged in the back of my head and it came out there. And, um— other situations like i thought about doing detailed detailed chapter of because i feel like i went through so many stages uh i mentioned earlier about when i was with my birth mom when we were in missouri that's one whole story itself um i feel like to me i've gone through different stages and i feel like that stage when i was a kid and i think i was only up there about five six months before dad got cussing me but i went through so many drastic things seen so many things um seen mom do things and not put it together as a kid um i feel like just how my life was when i was on the streets or being tugged around and then coming back home um went through another stage you think Okay. I just saw all the ugliness out in the world and now it's gonna get better but it didn't get better right
1: because You're dealing with a different
0: I was dealing with another stage. and um, dad was trying to make it possible but I had a stepmom that wasn't so decent and and I think at that point in time I, I have some memory issues I've struggled with over the years um, so everything that started happening when I got back home for a uh, the next five years up until I was 12 um, with that stepmom until dad had divorced and moved out I was so focused on that trauma I kind of forgot a lot about of what happened in Missouri and then um then when dad left that situation moved on to the next stage and so it always was in different stages and trials and then there was a long period of just dad and I and we're just trying our hardest to get by in life and him being a single parent and him going through his relationships and me going through my hard times now being somebody who has to raise myself and um always feeling alone and lonely and not much support so um i would if if i put anything out there on facebook it's just like it's all tangents all random points and everything so i have to think real hard about how i can put all of this into a one book or if i can just do a little mini series yeah. i actually had an idea but i'm gonna have to look into it and make sure i'm i'm good to do this like my favorite tv series of course sex and the city i thought about wondering if i could do breanie and the scene mm. and um and at first i thought maybe breanie in the city but i don't want to kind of rip off right for yeah. the show um so brainy in the scene because the scene sticks to my thing um and i was afraid i was discussing with a friend and i said i don't want and they said because the scene people is is like a term like older folks will say like she's part of the nightlife the community right, right. and everything and i don't want to just do it like my favorite show like i think well
2: uh, yeah still
0: i think everybody especially if i want to clear up something and i don't want to be that person but (laughs) um sex in the city is not all about sex and the main character carrie um she didn't just write about sex she wrote about relationships in general um how her relationships were with her friends or past memories and she kind of reflected it on i think um in new york i forgot what i think it's manhattan Uh uh-huh that they were in um i can't remember which major city and i feel terrible but she reflected about the local community like she could have been at that bar and she said this bar is hopping on a friday night and you know me and my girlfriends are out dressed in our best dresses and we're getting cocktails and everything she always found a way to reflect the city she was at or in new york in general because she loved that state and um and tied in with a lot of relationships and she made it seem like this city was tied into her relationships, what you can learn from that. And I kinda if I I wanna proceed forward of like my now maybe make up a story if I go along the way, if I have to, if I wanna create a series for this, and just just say I was at Rick and Jackson and then this all good looking guy came in and um or whatever and just ordered me a drink or something but I got distracted because <laughs> Jay Ecker the owner of Rick and jack just came up maybe use real names but yet making up a plot uh, story I got you. yeah use or the something. real
1: the, the
0: maybe I thought about that but I know some people may feel uncomfortable with privacy issues and so I'd probably have to take real names out of the storyline because I don't want to give away and I don't know if the owners would feel comfortable well, with you, their can get permission, though, you can I can ask. I said, this Tell is Tell them great. what you
1: want to do with the character. You know? well,
0: I'll turn you into a, a small character. Um, and I always think at the end of my chapter, I'm going to include a lesson that I've learned from it all. Or what can you get out of? And um, maybe the lesson is that guy who walked in and thought he was great looking and turns out he's very crappy or whatever. <laughs> but I just had the best food served at Rick and Jack's. And... Um,
1: I see where so, you're going with this. Yeah, it's like it's a, it serves a bunch of different purposes. There's a moral to it. There's a lesson in it, but there's also information that's real about a place or an environment, uh, and you, so you get a, a vibe of what's going on. In it's the, still
0: a work in progress. Um, it's like I watch the show. I, I'm always inspired by the show. Um, I even have done my fashion since almost similar. I think I watched um, one episode years ago and the character Carrie had this purse. It was 80s style purse and it was just a bunch of paint thrown out like a tie-dye purse with her name written on it I thought that's the coolest thing so I bought a cheap purse I saw at Walmart and wrote my name on it and just splattered tie-dye everywhere a little puffy paint everywhere on it and I trend so much out of the 80s and that's a a story itself because um my mom Jacqueline she just everything 80s is yeah 70s were her thing but like her look everything was 80s, Like, she wore those leggings all the time. I'm hmm. always in leggings. And the music, everything all around us, it was just that style. Um, she had um, a huge record player um, in the living room. And I don't know. How to describe... It was almost like a chess that was against the wall, and you can just open it up, or I can sit on top of it if I want to, but then she would scream because I'm sitting on top of it. <laughs> um, it wasn't a chess. You couldn't play with that. One, um, she would tell me, and she would have records playing, and she had the the old... It was like it's almost like a flat screen, but uh-huh. it was a big TV box. It was oh yeah, a big TV box. Yeah, and very just like that one, um, but it wasn't a flat screen, of course. Yeah, and
1: we had one of those
0: watching watching all my cartoons yeah. on that. So, <laughs> yeah. um, in the early morning. So, um, I remember a lot of old classic stuff. So, um.
1: That was a part of your life that, a, that's sticky. It's it stuck a you.
0: lot of things that stuck out to me, um, odd and quirky things about, but...
1: And you've incorporated them into your persona, for sure.
0: For for sure. Um, you know, like, I've always been the same person as I was back then up until now, like, quirky. I think things, um, I don't see negativity that much. I don't grasp hold of it until later on, um, and this is kind of where first, I know this is a harsh story, but it's kind of comical. I always laugh about it, um, about my situations back then. It was more reasons for the family knew that my birth mom was not stable, why she could not have custody of me, and that dad had to proceed further, is, um, mom I and mean, she was just She smoked cigarettes all the time and as a kid i can memorize that her cigarettes came in a metallic bright bluish greenish box that's what i remember so i saw it all the time take her cigarettes and smoke well one day mom was at the counter and she, i just walked up right next to her to see what she was doing and she, there was paper and i it looked like grass to me and she was rolling it up and, <laughs> and and you can understand where you're going from there and then i saw her take a lighter and she lit it up right in front of me she started smoking then she went to the living room and she sat in the recliner and she was out after a while and she just got in that moment and um the phone rang she didn't grasp the attention that the phone was ringing she was just in the zone and i picked up the phone i could have been maybe four maybe four-ish or five-ish close, and it was one of the siblings, older siblings. They, they could have been early 20s or something, and they were calling, they said, Sabrina, where's mom? And I said, well, is your mom's in the living room watching TV, and she's, um, and she's smoking, and, um, and then I also added in, like, it was a concern to me I was like, but she's not smoking our regular cigarettes, and they said, well, "What do you mean, Sabrina? She's not f- smoking." <laughs> and she, I said, um, "Mama made this cigarette. Uh, it's um, she's a ma- magician, and <laughs> she just made it. Uh, it's a funny cigarette, so that's what I called it." Funny call cigarettes. Funny cigarettes. My
1: mom's funny cigarettes.
0: <laughs> my mom's funny cigarettes. So from the and they they were old enough like, oh they, my goodness, they knew, yeah. and so they told my dad. He's like, we got to get her out of that situation. It's like, there is no way. Um, it just didn't phase. Like, I was literally, I think I can remember being in the kitchen and having that conversation on the phone and mom's still there. It's like, didn't, nothing phasing her. So, um, so that was, that was the situation. I've always been so quirky. Like, and I remember one of my siblings brought that to my attention. It's like, Sabrina, do you remember when... So like when we first found out that, well, we had a feeling mom was doing drugs, but we didn't know she was doing it right in front of your presence or you right, in the house. Right, right, right. And say so you, said, you ride it out on mom. And I said, I did? And he said, yeah, you had that phone, um, phone conversation with one of the brothers. And you flat out said, well, you didn't say it because you didn't know what it was, but you said mom's smoking a funny cigarette and she made it right in front of you. So um, I kind of vaguely... When my mind was jostled to some of those memories, I kind of vaguely remember standing next to Mom, watching her um, roll up um, and make her blunt and start smoking. So it's uh,
1: interesting the way you describe these stories. I mean, because I talk to some people uh, and they don't have memories that go back that far; they're very vague, uh, or if they have them at all. But I, I'm the same way. Like I actually have those visceral, kind of really detailed. Memories of, of being little, you know? And I, sometimes I will talk to my mom about that and I'll go, did this happen? And I'll describe this memory and she's like, God, you were like two. How do you remember that and that, those details? And I don't know why, but I guess it just... I honed in on my environments pretty clearly.
0: I don't think it's a, it's the small details that we get stuck to that stick to us for quite a long while. Mm-hmm. Like, I, I remember... And everybody jokes and laughs because my favorite actor is Tom Hanks. And I'll post quotes or silly things or like a post like his new movie or some funny odd image or happy birthday Tom Hanks. And there was like a memory. I grew up and I was fascinated with Toy Story and he's a voice of Woody. And that's all I ever watched one of my main cartoons and put that movie in. And then... I do vaguely remember having a Toy Story themed birthday party and dressing up as the character Woody and I had a Woody um, little doll that wasn't that too fancy back then just like a little plush doll and I think same situation I came across sitting looking for the cartoons on TV and I stopped Because I saw a mermaid on the TV show, but it was a real mermaid. It it wasn't like my movie Little Mermaid. It was a real one. And I thought, wow, mermaids are real. Like, here's a real (laughs) mermaid on TV. But it was the movie Splash with Tom Hanks and Daryl Hannah in it. Yeah, yeah. And then I was watching The Mermaid a little bit, and then Tom's character came in, and I thought, his voice sounds so familiar. Where have I heard Uh this voice? (laughs) And it just... And at the same time I was watching that. I had my Woody doll in my lap and I looked down and I thought, I put it together and I said, that's Woody on TV. Woody's a real person. That's funny. And from then on, I've just, I've loved Tom Hanks and everything he's been in and all the movies. And that's, everybody's just like, man, like she has this deep fascination yeah. about Tom Hanks. It's and,
1: neat when you're a kid and you have those, start having those realizations. I, I have one like that. Um, I... My, dad, I remember going to see Star Wars with when I was little. I mean, mm-hmm. I was probably three, three or four, but I remember sitting on my dad's shoulders in the line out at the Charles Cinema. I can visually see standing in line, and uh, Superman as well at that theater. But um, A few years later, we went to go see Raiders of the Lost Ark. Of course, when you're a kid and you're going with your parents, you go with see whatever your parents are going to go see. And there wasn't a thousand movie trailers back then. So I remember going to see Raiders of the Lost Ark with my mom and dad. And we're sitting in the theater and the movie starts. And my parents i can remember this both of them like looking at me like going with a big smile on their face you know because you know the opening scene you don't really see indiana jones's face you see him from behind and and then when he comes into the cave area and you finally he steps into the light and you see him i can remember my parents look at me going hey oran who is that who is that and i was like that's han solo you know like that for me as a little kid was like what's happening right now you know for me han solo was a the star wars guy like what's he doing in this movie and what's going on you know but my parents thought that was like so exciting that oh he's gonna he's gonna recognize him and say han solo they knew what was coming next you know i
0: it's like even with the the harry potter movies um a lot of the actors because i was i was still a kid like when that first came out like well i would say like the movie release so the books are way out when i was elementary i think the movie release was maybe when i was 11 or 12 i was waiting of course like harry got his owl and i was thinking i'm gonna get an owl too i'm gonna go to hogwarts school and i had an aunt and uncle that brought me and I was I was against reading the books. I, I didn't want to. I didn't have an interest. But then an aunt and uncle took me to the movie when the first movie came out. I became addicted to that and all the actors from it. Like all these years of the movies coming out and just sticking through the the movies. Yeah, it's, um, like it's it, a lot of these actors, I didn't, I didn't even know who they were. Um, sure. Some of them were first time people. Um, yeah. And then I started putting two and two together. I would see their other movies and, um. Like, one of my favorite of them, it's Alan Rickman, who played Professor Snape.
2: Yeah.
0: And putting his movies together and then realizing, well, when he's in the movie, and of course, most of the grown-ups in that movie were like, hey, man, that's that dude from Die Hard. Um, yeah. And another one, he was also in the Robin Hood movie with Kevin well, yeah. Costner. yeah. And um, I picked up, I had seen the movie once, but then I forgot about it. He was in an old-fashioned Sense and Sensibility mm-hmm. um, with Kate Winslet. And there was all these movies and people wrapped around. And then another fa- favorite one, of course, um, uh, just now his name slipped. It was the actor that played albus dumbledore for the first two movies
1: oh um Um, he oh shoot uh jason something Uh, wait
0: i don't know if it's jace but what i do know um is that this actor he
1: played in the man from horse he was in a lot of movies he was in a
0: lot of movies and what i can say about it is that he is the priest and um the count of monte cristo yes um, he is the, the, the
1: one with um the the, the newer the, version that had guy pierce and yeah,
0: uh, yeah that that one the newer one i'm but um he was in that one and i, I recognized him and everybody's just like no it's not and i'm like yeah. well you don't realize that albus dumbledore that the first actor passed away
2: yeah that's um right. and
0: then the third movie came along and i was a little bit. I don't know if anybody noticed that shift because you have the personality of the first actor, and then the third actor had a little bit more of a hard demeanor. Yeah, yeah. And it kind of scared me a little bit with the new actor uh. um, coming in the Harry Potter movies. But I was just like seeing all these people out outside, and then when well, the the actor that played, I realized. He, he then became one of my favorite I like to follow. He played um, Harry's godfather. Um,
2: mm, I don't I know. I forgot.
0: He passed away. He could transform himself into a dog, and then he got killed in one of the movies. And, but what I do remember, he played Dracula. Um, oh, oh, 90- Gary, Gary Oldman. Gary Oldman. I hey, can't yeah, believe yeah, I it Gary just Oldman. snapped me. Yeah, 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 um, yeah, He played Dracula in a 90s version with Renona Ryder and Keone Reeves. Yeah. And that's my favorite Dracula movie. Yeah, um, he's one of
1: my favorite actors. I love so, that. We, um, I was just talking to, with him about him today online with somebody. Yeah,
0: with and, I, and a lot of people, you, they see these older actors, and uh, this is not their first time. They were, they've they seen them from other... Yeah. For me, it was the first time seeing these actors, and then I get older and I branch out into their other movies. Sure. But it always boils down and i'm like hey that's Albert. from
1: from your original then, like point of yeah. seeing them and that, then you yeah. really
0: don't see the younger actors like um i i I'm pretty sure all the kids that grew up watching the main three ones, um, like Harry, Ron, and Hermione, was like, hey, that's always going to be Harry Potter. Yeah, um, because <laughs> he really hasn't done too many movies except maybe a couple. Um, well,
1: that's how it is when you're a kid and you see somebody in something. It was that way with me for Harrison Ford. For many, many, many years, he was always either Indiana Jones or Han Solo in my mind because there were so many movies with him in as that character. You know, I associated with that was hard for me to to make the leap into other other things. I'm that way with Michael J. was that way with Michael J. Fox. I've enjoyed him in a lot of movies, but in my mind, he's he's for he was always Marty Marty McFly. McFly. But, you know, I remember. and And again, you watch Stranger Things.
0: You know, I haven't even seen one episode, and (laughs) I feel bad I need to catch up with. Because everybody said, if I love the 80s, then I need to check that out. Well,
1: there was a little joke in this last season, just a little one about that. Like, Back to the Future is playing in the show. And one of the characters said did you did said something to the effect of did you did you catch the movie and he was like yeah it was something about with alex p keaton and a of delorean and i was like oh yeah because for a while that was even me like alex p keaton from family ties was uh what i thought when i first watched back, back to the future so it's weird how they these actors can become uh new characters but your mind just latches onto them as one thing. I mean movies are very important like to me in my life. I grew up in a video store environment, so I have movies that like are sort of push pins for different points in my life, you know.
0: Not, and that for me, I'm such a movie hoarder. there was a time I was watch I was working at Walmart and I don't know, just to save time because I didn't have the energy or time after I got off to go out to the movies. I was either going, supporting someone's band or event. And lunch breaks, we were given an hour on our lunch break. I picked up the weirdest habit at Walmart, spending my time in the electronics department <laughs> where the, all the movies right? are yeah. going by movie by movie and memorizing their in caps in each new movie that came <laughs> out and how much they even were, their prices. And so, like, I have people, like, I'm maybe shopping at Target with someone and they see a movie on the shelf and it was like, oh, hey, it's so and so. I'm like, you can go to Walmart and get that five bucks. It's cheaper over there. <laughs> you started like,
1: this podcast I, talking about how much sex in the city costs it, it was, on your app and all I that. I
0: would literally like uh, Walmart has like the best deals or that app is called Thrift Books. Um, you can find movies and DVDs. It, it, it may not That's have interesting. You may not have um, if you type in you may find it you may not there will be odd different selections i know i was going through um i've saved some options i would type up a lot of the marvel movies see if i can get a good deal but some of them um some of them are good finds like i may be lucky if i find a five dollar marvel movie but it's secondhand and you gotta read the description and then some of it just like um probably still new and donate it but then your prices you're questionable because i'm wondering like am i really gonna spend $28 $28 on Iron Man 1 when I know I can get um, and it's like a sound package deal when I know I can get it cheap elsewhere or something. Yeah. So, but you um, like
1: to have those, huh? You like to collect them. And, I like, love have the collecting.
0: Collection. Like, we were talking about um, Back to the Future. I have, I collect a lot of things I've grown up with and DVDs like, I definitely have, I have all the Back to the Future C- series. I have all the Christopher Reeve Superman movies. There you go. I have (laughs) dating back from the 90s, the Batman movies. Oh, yeah. Um, I don't have the original ones before then. I like the TV series. Yeah. Um, I do have current Batman, current Superman. I love a lot of um, superhero movies I'm trying to collect. I have a lot of Disney related. I have the entire Harry Potter, Lord of the Rings, Twilight anything up to date nowadays and then random odd movies today um a little tidbits like i was cleaning and one of my friends was helping me clean my house and i had a dvd on the floor and um misplaced in a box or something that fell out of the box and then i was trying to grab it and she stepped on it and i was like you just stepped on encino man and i'm like oh, <laughs> wow <what?" Encino
2: laughs> and, Man!"
0: so um i was like it's a classic and she's like now it's broken let's get it and i said like, no it's not broken man, i was yeah, like Put it i back. loved
1: encino man so
0: um <laughs> and like random things where you're wondering like man where did you I got them all at Walmart, like those bins, those $5 bins that people go crazy about. They they get too stressed because they're digging and swimming in a pool. I was that person taking the time on my one-hour break. I, I had bad um ocd problems i would go through each dvd and line them up make nice stacks and the next, stack them up uh, the next
1: for the next, next person for the
0: next person to come in and trash and go through and mess <laughs> it up but i would literally get there and take it out and i said i don't have this movie and just collect it and keep going um oh and all the jurassic park moves big jurassic park fan i love them all um collecting a lot of them and um just Random stuff. I'm much into the movies. I love having conversations of random where you connect actors and then scenes in the movies. And, oh,
2: sure. Um, yeah. yeah. And everything.
0: So. Um,
2: I
1: love. I, I me and my son do that a lot. Like, um, you know, we look. We like it when somebody does an homage to another show that we like you know an older show and we're like when you don't know that they're doing it but then you'll go hey this this kind of has to be a wink at this and then you both have the conversation then we'll go look it up and and go oh yep other people think that too or you'll find out the director did do that and it's just fun
2: you know i'm
0: thinking i probably have to like make um a list Because even some of my friends, they're just like, they ask to borrow. And I don't mind borrowing it. But just like I have so much, I don't even know what I have anymore. And I can tell people if they just want to borrow a movie, go right ahead.
1: It's your own store. And I'm happy. This episode's Fishing for Goodies Fishbowl sponsor is Brimstone Museum and Henning Cultural Center in Sulphur, Louisiana. I don't know what you look for when you travel, but one of the things I look for when I'm putting together my itinerary is a unique museum or gallery in the city I'm traveling to. I do this almost every time I go to a new city. But if I'm being honest, I'm guilty of not always doing that very thing right here at home in Sulphur, Louisiana. That's really a shame, because we have one of the most interesting, historically relevant, and culturally rich corners in any city in the country about two minutes from where I'm sitting right now. I'm talking about the Brimstone Museum and Henning Cultural Center. Have you ever really thought about why our city is named sulfur? They've got a permanent exhibit on the history of the sulfur industry that answers that simple question and more. You really get a full scope of just how important the sulfur mining industry was to the development of Southwest Louisiana and the impact it had on the rest of the world. Yes, the rest of the world. On the same property, right next door to the museum, is the Henning Cultural Center, presenting some of the most interesting, modern, and culturally relevant local art shows I've ever seen. My dear friend Tom Trahan and the Brimstone Historical Society have really worked hard to give us this treasure, and it's a multifaceted jewel that I plan to take advantage of more often. You don't have to wonder what their hours are, or how to get there, or what shows are coming up. Just go to brimstonemuseum.org, like I did, and subscribe to their mailing list right there on the homepage. That's brimstonemuseum.org. Tom will make sure you start getting the announcements for each and every new show at the gallery. But you don't have to wait for the mail to arrive to enjoy this historical, local treasure. You don't have to be guilty, like me, of overlooking a local wonder that conveniently sits next to The Grove, one of the most beautiful walking parks in Southwest Louisiana. Drop in and say hi to Tom for me tour the museum and center and make sure to tell tom that you heard about brimstone museum on find the good news now let's take that dive in the fishbowl
0: i'm definitely big on a lot of the classic older movies um
1: how big are you on uh answering random questions random questions i don't ask
0: i'm going ahead
1: do you know about this what? bowl, this fish bowl right here? This fish here? bowl right here. Yeah. Um, have I you... mean, you
0: have a lot of stickers on here, so I mean, if I can point out random odd stuff, I recognize, like, yeah, I know what SpongeBob SquarePants and yeah. Bart Simpson is uh-huh. Superman.
1: Well, do you have you listened to this show?
0: I've heard a couple broadcasts in here and there, but... uh, This is
1: the fishbowl. The fishbowl? Yeah, and everybody that comes on the show has to draw three questions out of that bowl. Okay,
0: I may have missed that part, but, oh, look, you got a a Lost World I love that (laughs) Jurassic
1: Park, Superman, yeah, all the stuff you're talking about. That's what made me think of it. I saw, you know, she's talking about a lot of things that are on here.
0: Ghostbusters right here, and turn out some more, and you got... A lot of cool stuff and MTV.
1: Yeah. So this part of the show basically is where this sort of takes over. The Fishbowl now Mm -hmm. does the interview. And so each person draws. There's there's a bunch of different stuff in there. Some of the questions are cards. Some of them are listeners submitted. Some are submitted by past guests. And then Mm -hmm. you basically draw like Magic 8-Ball style. And we just see what comes out and we'll talk about it.
0: Okay. So question... You
1: you can pull it closer to you, unless yeah, it's (laughs) kind of.
0: I got short arms like a dinosaur. Like
1: a yeah, Jurassic Park. There you go.
0: (laughs) So this is a would you a game of this or that? Would you rather end poverty or stop global warming? Why,
1: man, those are two both pretty big things.
0: Can't. Is there a way I could pick another card? Or- <laughs> yeah,
1: I mean honestly though, that's a good question. Would you? Is there, was there one that's more important than the other? You think?
0: Uh, I I don't know because this is like I've always had a struggle on this conversation with people or something. Um, because they're both really important. Important. I feel like I'm going to cry on both of this if I choose one answer and I don't choose the other yeah. answer. Yeah, we'll pick me, another one. That's, um, yeah, that's, I, that, I, okay, I just used my ki- one lifeline. One
2: lifeline.
0: Um, and then we're stuck. <laughs> the next is, I'm going to follow, phone a friend, and I'm gonna have to phone a friend. I'm um, probably going to have to phone someone. Okay. Uh, describe a time you felt lonely. <laughs> oh, <laughs> I just, yeah, that, man. <laughs> just, uh, go back to question number one. No, I'm just um describe a time you felt lonely It was all the time all Um, the time not all the time but it was just that's like something i constantly talk to aaron and and i tell him like i don't know how um, i say i'm lonely all the time and it's odd for for people to know this about me because i'm so involved in everything but it's more of a personal thing and i think it's lonely because i don't allow people inside of me or i don't open up too often i um in the past i've had a hard time struggling with reaching out and making close friendships because people have come and gone out of my life have moved to a different school going on a mission never come mm. back i felt abandoned many times Um, I'd say the recent most time I felt lonely is just maybe within this up past week on certain odd days. And, um, and I I was just thinking that, um, not just lonely in general, but like my worth not there and just going through a situation of, um, of a thing with a guy and him moving on to to other people and me seeing that and it, and it hurts and i feel lonely inside and i i think i'm not wanted or not loved or not good enough and all the regular things and it's taken me even up to this point to try to piece it together and and i don't have all the answers for this question right here and how i'm going to make it and pull for it but with this whole broadcast in general, like that, I've talked about my positivity and talking about Aaron and how he teaches me about joy, and I'm gonna find joy. So what? But currently, this is this card kind of currently it describes my situation. I would say I felt lonely. Maybe this morning I felt lonely. Maybe coming up driving. Maybe felt lonely in the back of my thoughts. How am I going to present this? talking on air to you in general without you seeing inside of me that she's lonely and she's frightened still because um i don't know i'm just i was just thinking all about this on the way up here and just thinking i don't want oren or people to see that i'm a lonely person and that i'm hurting inside mm-hmm. but you know sitting here now answering this question um right in front of me i think that's okay for y'all to admit because at least i'm admitting that to y'all and y'all need to know that and that's okay um i'm not gonna sit here and cry too long about it i'm gonna find a way to overcome it and move on um everybody always tells me there's plenty more fish in the sea how to handle that situation um there that's why i I focus my life on service Mm. when i'm lonely aaron has always told me when you are lonely find someone else who is lonely and is hurting Mm. and reach out to them God,
1: man what a good advice
0: and um, it's always constantly he is like I say I'm alone I'm hurting and he said who have you helped today his first question is and then i'll say i'm depressed i don't want to help nobody and then he'll say just get up and walk down or go knock on your neighbor's door go make some cookies for one of the the ladies in church and i'm like there are ladies in church that are widowed and don't have kids and and you you're a young adult who's not married and don't have kids and you wish for all those things and there are older women who have lost all those things because those have been passed on Boy, Aaron, reach on that's to that powerful reach on. advice so I try in my so like I see this question and this is like a big slap kind of in my face like from the moment I got up this morning, trying to prepare all the way up to here and to think yeah I may be lonely and everything I'm currently in heartbreak and all this stuff and wondering why me but um there are other people dealing with it just as worse and um and I I can guarantee when I leave out this door that there's somebody that's going to need my help. And and whether if it's I gave them a hug or a smile or I lent them five dollars, I'm simply amazed by, um, by asking and reaching out to God. Find me someone I'm extremely hurting right now. Find me somebody I can help or I can say something to. Or you use your words and your ways in me to reach out to people.
1: To be asked, to be... And I'm not telling you this uh, because I'm nobody, okay? But hearing you say that is just so um, overwhelming because there is so much excess in this world. There's so much excess of luxury and comfort and safety to be had, and we all get a piece of it, especially in America you know, if we're lucky, which most of us are. And to hear you say that you're asking your creator to take your suffering and your loneliness and turn it into a gift for somebody else, to be quite honest with you, I can't quite see any other point to life because that's just about all that I can think that matters in this world is to hear a human being say i'm hurting take it and use it for somebody i mean (laughs) there are there's been a few times when i've talked to people on this show where something just really hits me and you know i'm just gonna tell you that's like one of the big ones right there
0: um i'm personally anybody who's known me for everything i've done for the community i'm not gonna lie there have been times where I put myself to volunteer out there and it's amazingly because I'm already in enough pain it is and I figure I'm just I'm doing something to help people and I'll, whether one of my favorite people Jody, or not like I'd probably be having this difficult feeling whether I've just went through some family heartbreak or whatever has destroyed me and I'd literally would trying to hold back any tears and just beg like Jody, is there anything I can do to help out with the art staff or something just to focus helping him because he looks stressed and running around and he's trying to organize an event or I've asked other people at other events like I guess I'm that person who is desperate to help people and it's not that I want anything in return but it's more of a like it gives me something to help focus on and helping people. And, um, so don't be surprised. Um, I think people need to learn something about this is don't deny someone the opportunity who wants to help you because it's a blessing for them. And, um, and I always felt not that I need blessings or, or um, I just figured it would help me not to become a selfish person, be so wallowed in my sadness and pain that I could just, Quickly turn this around and just say, "Hey, that person lifting all those boxes on the sidewalk, just stop for a moment and help them pick them up. You don't know their back may be so weak, and you got a full able body, and you could pick up those things for them and open the door or something. Uh, just simple things like that. Or um, I was just like last week, and it's still going through so much turmoil and." You know, and you have to be mindful when people are needing help or asking for help, and sometimes people won't vocally state that. You have to be so intuitive into it. I was leaving a dollar store one night, and saw these guys before I went in. They opened the door for me. They were being gentlemen and let me walk in. Walked out. Same guys are still outside. Uh, one was at one side and the other was just sitting on the bottom and I was walking out with my bags in my hand. And um, and he said, hi, how are you? And he's just sitting there. And I said, I'm doing great. And then I stopped to talk to him. And he was sitting there um, on the curve. And then it occurred to me that um, as I, I took a step forward, but then I stopped and I said, sir, and I said, do you need anything? Are you hungry or do you want some water or do you want me to go inside? And he just started crying right there in front of me. And I don't know how I assessed the situation. Maybe it was more me understanding right there. And he said, um... He said, or I asked him, what's the last time you've eaten or anything? And I tried to help him about locations. Sometimes you can help people only to an extreme, and then they prove they don't want to be helped. But the most I could do for those two gentlemen outside, um, despite it could have been a tricky situation, but I think God was, like, helping me and protecting me. And I told him, I said, hey, just meet me down the Wendy's at the corner. Just go in there. Um, whatever you want I'll buy I'll buy whatever you want if you're hungry and um, got them settled and it was just something small but I had to stop for a moment because my mind in the store shopping so consumed in my problems getting what I needed that if I hadn't stopped to turn and look that there's someone also in need right in front of me um, and people will not always see that situation um, or be mindful of it you just You have to have your spiritual eyesight Mm -hmm. and, um, for a change kind of let go. And I could have proceeded forward. I can be like, all right, have a great day. Just someone sitting on the corner and I'm just passing on. But, um, I did what I could to help him out the best way I could. I directed him to shelters, locations, but, um, a part of them still didn't want to m- help. They always... They were making excuses of, well, they only let such and such... And then I just said, I'm just trying to help. And then when well, most people, especially because I've been homeless... Um, But I didn't really understand that situation as a kid. I just tried to say, I'm just trying to help. And I don't know what else other option to help you and everything. And sometimes in this situation, you might want to take what is being offered to you to help. So if a shelter is going to provide a place for you, you might want to consider that. And I don't know if... um, what the shelters are like, and then most of the people I've come across, or they say, "Well, it's unclean. I don't want to be around that," or, and it it may be that I, I don't know. I just I always feel stuck because I come across a lot of people when I offered like there's this place offering shelter for the night, and they always say no, and they pass up, and i was like, I don't understand, like why you would say no on that. Um, but simple things like helping people get food, like I'm extremely um giving and generous thats some that's bothered me i've had i've had personal um and i think this because i was homeless as a kid especially the food issue um where we me my birth mom we didn't have enough food and, and here and there and i don't remember this but my My dad said when he would try to make phone calls for me up in Missouri that I'd be crying on the phone and I would tell him I'm hungry and there's no food and there was never anything around. So, I don't vaguely remember that. And I think that took in toll as I got older. Um... Like something happened with my eating disorder where um, I've had to focus on even Aaron will check up. And when I get depressed, I tend to go into a state where I won't eat mm. um, or I eat small things. Like Aaron asked me when I was crying, I was saying depressed. And he said, have you, what have you eaten today? What have you been eating? Yeah. And Or um, do you have food? And do you need me to go get food? Do we need someone to get food? Um and what are you eating? Are you eating good foods or are you eating junk foods? Mm. Um, and it's just a whole cause food is always that that boils down to our health, what we're eating. Yeah, and it's true. um a yeah. personal issue of i think when i got out of the situation out of missouri and not having so much food being offered to me that when i got here in louisiana and then there's so much food and then didn't have to worry about food with dad and stepmom but when they place it on a table in front of me um something happened like a reaction of so much food i start eating fast and we eat it all because and
2: then, you come
1: from poverty you're going. And, yeah
0: and then i'm thinking like there's not enough food you're not going to get it again i'm yeah. not going to get again so i eat it all fast and then i want more and i I want more and I would eat it so quickly that it was a concern that dad had to sit down my real dad had to sit down and he said you need to slow down we're not gonna run out of food and then because he correctly lightly corrected trying to help me I just start crying and like I was eating with my hands or whatever just because I didn't have utensils like on the street you just eat with your hands and I just started crying thinking like I want food and um. And thinking this was such a hard thing. And then Dad would start crying too. And he said, Sabrina, it's going to be okay. We have food. And, um and so it kind of became a sickness for a little while they had to watch and limit my food in, intake because i would eat myself sick to death and throw up because i didn't know how to stop at the beginning um it was a
1: desperation it was, uh, it, was
0: it was it was yeah i was desperate for anything and everything placed in front of me um was eating my own plate, and when they would have their stepmom would have grandkids over eating off of their plates too, and when when well when they weren't hungry they didn't want it and they didn't want to, they thought it was picky, and I would just slide their plate in front of me um and just eat off their plates, so um that was something I had to. And when I see people are hungry, yeah, I—that's not something I'll question right off. I will always offer some money or dry, tell someone to meet me around the corner, and I will buy them and give them food. I think that's a personal issue for me. Um, well, it's not when a- it comes to—it's like people are are very when we helping homeless people and people on the streets, and even I'll go to the dollar store and I'll put like some fruit snacks or food bars and my purses, and if I see someone, I'll hand them out if I can. Um, it's not a question. Uh, if they say they're hungry, then I will give them food, or I'll find a way to get them food. Um, I would tell them to stay in one place, and I'd go home, and whatever's at home um, that was easy to fix, or I'd make them a sandwich, and I, I would come back, and I'd give them something, um, and hopefully that they... That they would just appreciate and and it just satisfies them and um so i've i've had i've been, always been that person to always give food out to people um especially missionaries in my church where I've never most of the time I would never have Much money or even a dollar on me, and the missionaries would come over to my house. And that's another thing people they're not rich people, they're not getting paid for doing their things. And a lot of them come from a background where they're not having much family support and being supported, and anything like. I I used to always worry. I'd be so involved in missionary work and with them, I was worried about them being fed. I was constantly asking them, have you eaten? Have you been fed? And they'd come to my place and I said, I don't care what it is, like, just come over. Like, I still have some leftover pizza. I got some apples or fruit. I will make you a ham sandwich or peanut butter sandwich or whatever. Um, And when the girl missionaries would come over, I would just make them lunch bags. And when we would go out teaching and just... I'm one of those people, like, I don't want anybody going hungry around me. Um, Now, I'm not the great cook, but I will make something up. So um, I think that that's because it stems out of my childhood um, of seeing people and knowing they need to be fed. um, Not just spiritually, but physically as well.
1: So All that just comes from every... I mean, again, it goes back to what we were saying earlier that who you are know, you're shaped by these experiences but they can be turned into blessings to people oh you drawing your second question huh
0: yeah I'm drawing like but I know like to go back to this first question I mean I think we nailed it pretty much um, about my times of loneliness and um, if anybody if you listen to this just the best way you can be feeling lonely right now and so I would just challenge anybody how to handle that is to immerse yourself in the work of God but to put put that light if you're not a person who follows the gospel or is not a believer and it's it's okay everybody's very different Um, see the work of God can be translated into go out and help someone there's always someone in need Um, put down your, your pain whatever your struggle is for the time being, go through maybe your phone list, call somebody you haven't talked to a while, go see your neighbor, go do something and help someone. There's always someone needing help around here. And, um, and if you don't know what to do, if you don't know who to help or what to call, then just message my inbox and I will give you a full detailed list and give you suggestions and where to go and what to do.
1: It's all sound advice.
0: So, uh, yeah, I, I, I have all of that in my head. So I have all the information. If, if anybody needs help with that, or if anybody in general wants to know how to be involved in volunteer work, um, the first place. I got involved with before I started branching out in so it was the arts and humanity that's how I met Jody um and I went from there and I loved it so much, but this was before Jody actually uh, was on the um your other guy that you had on the show Paul yeah was on um the first year of volunteer paul was in jody's position that's right and then when paul left jody took his position and um and then there was there was charla blake and then there was ashley also and ashley's still there um and then they have new people um on the board but um i love being part if i can i will um i try not to stress myself with some of the mentality that i struggle with if i can't do it like their arts and crafts festival i saw in And there yeah i'd definitely be there um helping out with that and and other things but um yeah just if anybody out there is feeling lonely just just make a challenge to find someone out there um at least one person or do one thing of something you can help with um and it'll make your day smooth sailing. At least find one thing a day you can do better or someone you can help. And um, it gets a little bit better and then you'll start to realize you're you're becoming a happier person. You're finding joy in your life.
1: Love that. Love it.
0: Okay, let's see. What's the... um, Jeez, am I on a roll? Have you ever received counseling or therapy and did it help?
1: Man, (laughs) you're picking uh, very relevant... Questions. Yeah,
0: it was just okay. There's a
1: lot of questions in there.
0: Um. Uh, yes, I think I've um, may have already stated, <laughs> but um. Um.
1: What's been the most effective thing for you, considering?
0: I mean, yeah, I've had counseling and I've had therapy and I've. Uh, this is okay. This is another um scary thing to put out there but there are people who have experienced i've i've even been put in the mental institute in the hospital at um at, at Moss memorial um because i broke down on anxiety and panic attacks and depression i've mentioned a couple times in my past um over the years and, um, which I'm grateful for, you've had people come out on, on the show and you, they've talked about their suicide aware, um, awareness and people who are showing signs because that is an issue. Um, I was not in a situation like that where I had to be put into the hospital because I, I, um, uh, this, I don't know, seven-ish, eight years ago, I just thought everything is falling apart and I don't know how to grasp hold of it. I'm losing my mind. And, i just one of my medication bottles was just sitting there and i just started taking the whole bottle at one point and um and then i realized i panicked i changed my mind i didn't want it in my life i was just depressed but then i already did it so what did i do so i drove myself to the hospital or I even called them i told them i said i overdosed myself um we need to fix this or, or but i um, you didn't remember, want...
1: Yeah, you, you realized it was... Well, then
0: I, I had panicked, and then I... Well, I was at Moss at the time, and they told me... Like, they told me how to sit, and I had to wait, and that was bad of it. Mm. Like, I had to sit in the waiting room. But then it was nighttime. It was midnight, and then the effects started kicking in i started getting skittish and jumping around or like my skin i couldn't feel i couldn't sit and that was the medicine kicking into my system all at once and so i just got up and i went back home and i'm like whatever and then i went my home and i'm thinking like you know what just let it take toll and then i changed back and i said you know what It's just gonna pass, like spring. You're just gonna die right here, and then, but then all of a sudden, I made another phone call. I reached out to one of the ladies in my church, and I told her what. So she drove over, grabbed me, and then we went to um, Memorial instead. And she called Aaron over, and um, Aaron met us over there and um and I was sitting there and the lady just typing and asking everything real quickly and she said, okay you need to be honest Sabrina we, and she's I just said I'm depressed and Erin said and what else tell her it's okay you're gonna have to be honest Sabrina we need to help you and I said I just overdosed on a bunch of medicines it's kicking in I'm having effects right now um and then she said okay well we'll get in so they got me in the hospital and they cleared it up by putting some other medicine or to swipe it out of the system. Um, it was a scary situation. I I don't know how, what the terms, the words, but um, I literally felt my eyes rolling in the back of my head. Um, or my eyes going backwards. There were times I had to click the button and call the nurses coming in and... Tell them or they ask what's wrong, and I say, My eyes are stuck, and I'm like, I can't see straight, they are literally up at the ceiling. And I think that there's a certain word for that. Mm-hmm. I was, um, I don't know what it is, I, I'm sure all the counselors and doctors know, but they uh, they had to come and put shots and give me more medicine to correct those from the effects of the medicine I was taking uh, that I took all at once. And then, quickly after that, when I got better, when everything was cleared, then I had to go into um the mental institute um or the therapy yeah office and then that was another whole scary aspect because i just wasn't someone who was depressed and had suicide issues and thoughts um i was dealing with other people with other disorders right. like schizophrenia and bipolar and right you're putting um, in that
1: that area i was with stuck the, um, everybody. with
0: everybody yeah. and anybody from and they had a and from then on, I, I've been having counseling and therapy since I was 18 or 19, And um, but that's because, like, I did not open up. Um, I think my step-parents and them, I, if anything, like, I did not get counseling or help when I got out of Missouri, and maybe that should have happened because I saw a lot. But their response my response was is that some of the family members tried to reach out and talk to me but um, like I was a shutdown person um, I would quickly or they said I said to them but I don't recall this they said I don't want to talk about what happened in Missouri because a lot of things happened in Missouri it's like um well, it's not just a homeless situation., I, yeah. I, I was sexually taken advantage of as well, too, as a little kid. and I was forced to see things um, that I didn't want to see. I didn't want to talk about anything. I didn't know how to describe it.
1: right. And well, you were trauma, I mean, it's trauma.
0: And so, like at that point, all that's built in. And then I'm dealing with the abuse from a stepmom. I didn't have nobody to talk to. I didn't go to counseling. So by the time I'm graduating high school and dad's with a new wife, it just all started bowling out. Sure. and Because now I have to be accustomed to his new wife and her son. And I don't know how to deal with that. And then all my whole past... Ten years of whatever happened just started clashing, and I'm falling and breaking apart. And yeah,
1: everything's shattered. Yeah. So
0: um, that's where I first started. And I, from then on, I've had to receive my counseling therapy. And um, it's not a bad thing if anybody um, considers. It's the most helpful resource um, I would suggest anybody. And everybody to take up, if you've dealt with any hard times, I I receive counseling therapy from professional licensed um, therapists and counselors. And I receive therapy and counseling from church leaders who can give a spiritual insight because not, not all the professional ones can give um, a spiritual insight or no in-depth. That's right. Um, yeah. And then I feel, because sometimes when I'm going to a professional and most of the things I'm feeling is revolving... Um, everything about my church at perspective like if i'm depressed and i'm talking about everybody or all the young adults in my church are getting married and sabrina's the oldest one and i'm feeling inadequate and i'm around a bunch of people in my um, church service with kids and i feel like i'm the single one and nobody i have no friends and all these females are younger than me and have Five children, and I haven't been given. And so that will depress me. And I don't want to talk about that with a professional license who doesn't understand kind of like some of the cultures and aspects and reasons why of my setting. I want to talk to someone like Aaron or. Sure. um,
1: It's good to have someone in
0: the church who understands why Sabrina feels this way. Yeah.
1: Well, it's good to have a clinical voice that you can talk to, you know. But it's also good to have a spiritual voice. I think it's a balance. I mean, I totally agree with that. That If you're just looking at one dimension and you're only having a conversation that's in one dimension, but you're a multidimensional being and then also you have multidimensional problems, then you're going to have to do that. I think that's sound advice for anybody. Because even Kevin Yautas, you know, he was on here talking about that. And he said even counselors have to have some kind of special certification. Um or training to discuss anything spiritual if you're going to do that and so most of them aren't going to that's why you're going to run into talking about those things isn't going to really
0: yeah. go anywhere and i have to go back and forth to go to professional and spiritual because even my uh, leader aaron and them will tell me um he said we we can give you a spiritual site we can comfort the soul and help you but a lot of it you do need professional help from licensed sure. people and for the longest i was not wanting to seek the professional help and just go into spiritual but it's it's kind of a hand-in-hand thing I, I think um not everything can be solved through a spiritual eye um site and then there's a reason god plays professionals doctors and these counselors to help to to work together um, well sure i mean you to have help a, you
1: you have a mind a brain has memories stored in it and you have a physical body you know those things are real and tangible and so there's definite sciences around okay. them
0: and then they're the ones to to know like what medicines and what treatment or sure what activities help the most and and that's not something um aaron or any church leader can without that license or degree can just sit there and just say hey go to the just take an advil at the store, <laughs> right. you're going to be great. It's right. just going to be great, Sabrina. Or uh, right. just go get you an ambient well, and just a, knock out. So well, that's a good so. message
1: for listeners. I mean, is that you know, one to to be to to try to be okay with seeking out the help before you get in the situation like that, and then two that once you do find help, it's good to have different. Um, Different, I guess, mentors and counselors around you that are going to be able to help you with whatever those particular needs are. They're not just uh, one, basically, one dimension.
0: I would say, like, the most recent, just over the couple days and everything just go back to this past sunday i when i left my second room, that's when i was having an anxiety and i ran into aaron and my pastor and then there was another <sighs> friend in there and they they're just like speaking of we're just talking about you sabrina he was like no and i was like it's okay i know you all talk about me you. <laughs> um it's fine i know i'm a heathen and um and so we're just asking about the random things and just like what's wrong and i just and I just started crying. I said, I'm having anxiety. I'm panicking and like uh, all the stuff on the board. And and they, Aaron looked at me and, he, and he'll always ask this question to me. I never know how to answer it. He said, What can we do to help you? And I think so, that's why that's why I get everything after him because he does it to me. What can I do to help you, Sabrina? Yeah, and I'm like, from the best. And I said, I don't know, Aaron. I'm like, uh, can you just take it all away? Or, or, so I, I said, can I have a, a blessing? Um, that was the first thing I said. Can we talk or something? So me, Aaron, and my bishop went in. And then first, well, I mean, it just started bowling out. Well, well one, the first thing came out, I was just jumping from different categories i said i'm just going through this terrible thing with this guy and then he doesn't like me or he moved on to another girl and i'm nothing and um i don't want to deal with guys can i just be a missionary for the rest of my life are you okay if i don't want to get married and have kids and then aaron's thinking like why is she saying all this stuff and i'm like I and mean, you know it's not true and it's like maybe she's just hurt and so but they're still listening and then he said, okay, what, what's really bothering you, Sabrina, and then, um, the next thing was, I, um, Aaron brought up a situation, I just said, I'm just so out of place, like, I can't find my place in life, and I'm just sad, or all the time, or, um, and he said, okay, Sabrina, well, we talked about this a while back, but, um, he, he brought up my situations at home, like, how, um, about clean because i'm the worst at cleaning before i came today i was just at home we were taking things and throwing them out on the carpet. i'm the worst hoarder ever and if you're going to look at this in a psychological approach but the the way your environment is at home can take an effect on your mind state and how you are emotionally and it was that bad of everything everything on the floor everything everywhere I'd be so embarrassed for anybody just to walk in but I had to and so I, I tried to several times to set up like my Bishop and Aaron say like we'll come over and then I had another problem I had a pet that I had adopted in the house but it came into the house like through something like maybe a hole and I don't know and it's just been there for a long while. And this pet I'm talking about is a possum. And I named him, <laughs> I named him Kevin because I got personally attached to that. And so I've been stressed for so many months because Kevin is knocking down things in the living room and stressing me out. And um, it's become so accustomed that where I'm trying to like last night I was trying to clean and pick up things. And then Kevin came out. And just looking at my trash bag, like, hey, what you putting in there or something. He's that accustomed. This this possum has like made my place his place. Wasn't it? but if you get close, like you make an aggressive, he will back off and everything. So
1: he um, lives in lives in there with you.
0: I don't adopt him. I don't want him as a pet. But somehow he got in there and i I've thought, like, okay, maybe I'm gonna take a bucket and put it over him and get rid of him. And so I broke down and I told my bishop and i told aaron i said we need to get kevin out and he said yeah kevin's gotta go and he's like that's not healthy sabrina i said i don't know how to get rid of him he's not afraid of me he owns the place i i would be sitting down watching tv or a movie he just runs right in front or he's just walking in front of the living right in front of me and he knows i'm sitting right there and he's not intimidated well, by
1: how me. long has he been there
0: yeah, for about five, six months. That's
1: So that's why. He that's just feels why. like it's because his, it's his
0: And I felt that bad because it was that terrible. I don't know. Everybody's thinking, like, gosh, this girl doesn't have it together. But it's a real problem. It's a real situation. And I open up and he said, Sabrina, like, your issue is that you don't want anybody. You don't want to open up. And that's where, like, this thing is is like have you seen counselor or therapy and did it help and I say what Aaron had told me I said we need to get rid of Kevin and I need to get rid of the mess in there I said I do want Kevin gone I seriously do um, and I don't want him around and then I said and then I want rid of the mess and he said okay we're going to get rid kevin's going to go and we're going to get rid of the mess but we're not going to just get rid of the physical mess sabrina there's a lot of mess inside of you as well and when we clear the physical mess i think that will eliminate a lot of it as well because that physical mess has adopted inside of you as Mm. well it's like it's it's now it explains why you're it explains why you're depressed it explains why you're uneasy um explain i mean you've got You got enough joy to fake it through about a couple hours and then you're up, you're up and down, you're up and down. And so when we do this, you, um, that there, Aaron made a suggestion, you have to meet weekly with Bishop. We're going to have to find, you're going to have to get back on counseling therapy and whatever it is, we're going to seek out for medicines for you. Um, and we're going to go in. And so Aaron said, look, I'll call up one of my buddies or something. We got a trap. Kevin's gone. All right. See you later. So that's what they're probably doing right now. They're getting Kevin out. Um, How
2: wild is while, that?
0: While I'm here. Because I told him, I said, I do not want to be there when they're, because I told him there are things I, I didn't want declutter. And they said they were going to go in with a trap. And I said, I said, I don't know where Kevin is. I don't know where he stays. I don't know where he lives. Um, You're just going to have to figure it out. He's just
1: in there. He's just
0: in there or something. And um, or maybe
1: he goes outside and comes back in. I don't know
0: i don't know um i don't know he's found him a cram hole or he sleeps in it or something and um i said i don't know if he's gonna come out if he hears so much noises and people bustling around or something but they said don't worry about it we gotta cover it. do you we'll... feed him no i don't i don't do anything about
1: he just is there no somehow he is he's surviving
0: just, he is surviving i don't know what he is because
1: some people have possums as I pets i will not
0: no that's the problem I, mean, I
1: saw it on the internet literally i do not yesterday
0: i have not adopted him i the problem was is i had a f- hole in the floor and i bet you 100 percent that's where the problem came and because i was going through it was such a hard time and couldn't get it fixed and just trying to find a way to yeah. cover it until i could afford to fix it and i think that came from the situation where Kevin the Possum came out of this hole and adopted into the place um, and just never could back. So I tried to find ways to actually get rid of him where I thought he climbed in a cabinet and I watched him so I locked the door and think, I'll just suffocate him in here. And then I thought my sensitivity kicked in. Sure. And I felt bad. And I said, like, what if he dies and it yeah, stinks you don't in there? What am I going to do yeah. that? So open the door and I'll like, say, okay, just come out, Kevin. I'm going to have to kill or get rid of you another way. And I,
1: well, you don't want to kill him. I'm
0: sure. I don't want to kill him, but I, um, and they had to explain to me, he so says, cause I told Aaron, I said, I'm not going to, um, it's, he's been in my place for that long, even though I don't want him, I never claimed him as a pet. He's an unwelcome guest. He's like the evil and mess itself that's incorporating in me and turning me bitter. But in some personal way, I'm having attachment issues. I'm even talking to Kevin. as Because that's where the lonely question brings in. I'd be crying. And Kevin walks right in front of me across the floor. To go somewhere. So I don't know. And He crept out of his hole and I just started crying and I said, Kevin, you're the only one that's here and everything. And he's just scampering off looking for something. Yeah.
1: Is he cute?
0: No, he's not. He's ugly. Is it
1: ugly possible? I don't
0: even know if it's a he. It could be a she. And he's mean and he's bitter. Is um, he? He's mean and bitter. when I've tried to approach and maybe, um, or corner him, he'll hiss and like gag at me. Um, and um, and he's dominating like, like how
1: big is he it's pretty big healthy size possum
0: uh no it's it's not a baby but i don't think it's full grown adult
1: yeah maybe early you know,
0: stages like I a teenage
1: freaky looking okay but like, i would a lot of say like
0: um if you're looking at i don't know oh,
1: that's about a cat like an <laughs> average size a cat.
0: average normal size cat before it's like right in the middle stages um yeah before it comes full-blown but if i don't want to get to the point and hopefully aaron and the guys have got kevin so now yeah. that everybody knows my dirty laundry and that i have kevin at home
2: yeah
1: well you know what i've heard a lot of different things i've never heard that but i've heard a lot of different things and i mean we've all got some version of kevin kevin in us or something like that that we don't i mean really we all do have something i mean that that's just like a kevin in our lives i
0: don't know how i've survived um with kevin through all of this i've locked my door and seclude myself and let him have whatever the other portion is because i would get too scared or didn't know how to approach or get rid of him or shove him out um so, I would just literally lock my door and just put, like, stuff underneath because it's still small enough where he... I don't know how he can. He may be big, but he can slim me underneath. So, I'd put things blocking the doorway so he won't get into my bedroom. Well,
1: now you won't have to deal with that anymore. That's wow. going to give you some peace of mind.
0: Yeah. I, I'm extremely grateful for that. That so, it yeah. is. It's
1: a big service from them to do.
0: So, yeah. Um, any. I would say if to learn from this question right here, if anybody um man, clean your houses
2: <laughs> simple
0: because um, um I always think about this and in general and it and also don't be afraid to ask for help and um what I'm learning, I guess um Aaron is teaching me to let people inside and let them help because. I'm pretty sure everybody's seen a messy place, messy house. Um, sure, we've all or, seen All of it, messy car, whatever. Um, if anything, like let people in. If you can't do it by um, by yourself, let people in and help you. I had to ask Aaron, and I had to tell them. I said, Look, I don't have a sound mind on some things. Just grab things and throw it out or whatever and pick it up and toss it. If it doesn't look decent, it's... Um, take it out, and I said, like, I don't care, whatever, um, somebody be a judge, and, um, because I'm probably gonna sit here and nitpick, and, and then they said, well, just, you gotta do something else, or go outside, and I said, I'll tell you what I do, I said, I have some things in town, y'all come around the time, um, I'm not home, and then y'all do it, and then I, um, my female friend, she was there to me, with me earlier in the morning, and she... Uh, said she had a clear idea. So when she came in, she could just point at stuff and say, get rid of this and this and this. Um, and tell the guys before they just started grabbing and going. Um, now, there was one thing in general. It's like a random deer head on a mount. I didn't want that. I was thinking something old for my dad. And I was yeah. like, I don't need it in my place. Does it fit my vibe, my personality? And she said to me, now, Sabrina... And she said, I put myself through a lot of hard work today in helping you and everything. And she's a little bit older. And she said, you better not put that deer head on my front porch or something. Or, or I better not see that deer head. And I said, well, it won't be me. But if one of them guys comes and sees that as a joke and sees the deer head, they're probably going to laugh and then um, use it as a, some joke or take my deer head. So, um, yeah, so there's a random deer head sitting on my per- porch possibly right now or um,
1: maybe be sitting outside on your porch with kevin at the moment if probably they got if out of they there. got
0: kevin out too so um that deer head's dead and kevin be lucky if he's set free out to the wild
1: man that um, was an interesting question we got a lot out of that one
0: yeah we went tangent on that um
1: we went kevin on that
0: i didn't mean to open up about kevin but
1: i think kevin is a good lesson though i mean it's seriously like it's like you said you know you're going well you know i'm just going to put this out there but at the same time how it makes uh, a part of the show is what other people get out of it you know you and i get something out of it but other people are listening to it and so when people listen i hope like me that when they hear the story of kevin they will go hey is there a possum in my life Mm -hmm. is there a is there a possum in my house that I don't really want, but I'm letting live there? Is there a Kevin? With
0: bad intentions and bad habits, yeah. and you are being a cuss into them and letting them walk all right. over your life. You lock in your
1: door at night because there's a Kevin lurking out there. You have to shove stuff under the cracks so Kevin mm-hmm. don't come in. Mm-hmm. I mean, I know that may sound like I'm being silly, but I'm serious. It's a That's good true. metaphor for things inside of us are in our lives
0: and again i mean it's like i, I want to seem like an average person as well as somebody that's not just running a page or has everything all together and um somebody like i have a hard time cleaning um hey, so um, but hopefully after you. this point of time um after today, um, I'm pretty sure I'm going to be good at cleaning, so I won't get any more Kevins coming in.
1: I so. promise you, somebody's listening to this right now, and I know you're out there. You know who you are, that has got something like that, that they know they need to deal with. Yeah. You know? So, third question. God, what's it going to be? Oh, man. I How see How have
0: you changed over the last five years? Holy
1: cow. Man, you really... But you know what happens? See, this is how things go. You, you that first question, you avoided it, and it like threw the rhythm like right into all these like <laughs> really pointed questions. This is a deep one. Five years is a long time.
0: Five okay, five years, and I've stated this a couple times in there. Five years ago, um I may have started the same thing, but I was uh, an alcoholic i was a party time life girl out out there in the public um i had a lot of negative energy in me i had a lot of unforgiving feelings for people i had a lot of pain and hurt um but i was trying to put my best foot forward and not let people see that i hurt a lot of people back then um made a lot of bad choices and decisions and um, I was in the wrong place at the wrong time um, and then gradually step by step as time was coming forward I had people reaching out back to me so I would say yeah I may be still hurting and full of loneliness and um, our depression at times. is not as bad as it was back then It's it's always a little bit of improvement I don't i don't see myself um, i'm stable enough to say where i'm not going to worry about going to a bar and um it that bad five years ago was is that i was the person because i was i was hurting a lot emotionally and um i would go to a bar and i would drink and if someone took an interest in me and I probably ended up at someone's house that I didn't know and I probably did some things that weren't right um and let my character blow out that's um, honest so that's that's a very honest thing and I was doing that repeatedly hurting myself um and then I just didn't care and um and I had to recognize not just the drinking, but some of those bad habits, too, of not throwing myself out there. But then you you focus on the alcohol because the alcohol put you in that situation. And then you focus, um, when you take that away, then you focus on what's inside the heart. Mm-hmm. And um, and then when you figure out what's inside and bother me, then you try to eliminate some of the things that are around you. Take take myself away from the bar scene. Let's go put her out on the roads and, have her join that running group, the Lake Erie Runners. Put her running, get her a running trainer. Um, have her stay focused on that. Give her a few art projects. Have me volunteering at local places um, that needed help. Or, um so I—I I was a whole drastic person um, five years ago. I don't think I—I I wasn't. I was kind of on and off from the scene thing. I never had an idea if I would pick it up because I was afraid I would get back into some of the negative habits of the nightlife scene, and I was I was afraid it would drag me down into re- meeting and meeting up with a bunch of people I didn't want to be dragged up with. So um, that in general, how has my life changed? It's I um, I found what was worth, what was good for my soul and I had to focus on that, and I had to eliminate a lot of people that were not seeing the vision as I was seeing, and when I say the vision, they they couldn't see, like, this is hurting me, and but it may be doing them good but it's not doing me good and they still want to drag me down that road and um i have to say like you're not the type i love you but you're dragging me into your fun world and it's it's not fun for me it's just full of chaos and pain so i lost a lot of friends like that because i couldn't keep up with their hype and their cool um and um surrounding myself um a lot of drastically um Aaron and people in my church put me into the teaching back into missionary mode. A lot of that kind of got whipped out of the system because I went back into missionary mode focusing on a lot of um, teaching and scripture reading and prayer. So I found a lot of all that negativity and that hatred. Um, I always fell back. I always found a way to get rid of some of those things. So, there, there is a drastic change from who I was five years ago. And I know currently at the state where I may be depressed here and there. Um, I may struggle sometimes with my personality and my emotions, my disorder up and down because I, I, I struggle. I have a thing called borderline personality. And the common thing with people like that is just that we see black and white Um, you're very good or you're very bad. I have to focus on the in-betweens, um, the recent situation that I was going through instead of just having so much hate that I wanted to hate a man who just hurt me and chose someone else um or wasn't interested in me or i thought i felt used instead of hating this person no matter who was in the wrong or the right and because my disorder disorder kicks in um i have to sit down and constant and constantly tell myself like sabrina there's always good in every person and remember there was a point in your life you were just as ugly as two um in their position and hurt some people there's always good in every person forgive and let go because my mind will quickly change from i love you so much into if you done something i don't know it can go the next day i hate you you're dead to me and i don't want nothing and i had a really hard struggles like that it's a common thing for borderline personality people they can change emotions it's almost like bipolar but um but um to some it's it's a medium like a a middle thing right in in between it's a unique personality disorder and um but it doesn't mean i'm handicapped i'm very capable and can see things and i can see a lot i can sit down and talk to aaron and i can see what i'm doing what's wrong and that makes me like i can admit that i just did this wrong i can sit down i say okay i think i um just drastically snapped but I didn't realize it while I was snapping maybe 10 minutes down. I was like, okay, I shouldn't have done it. It's too late now. And then that's where the regretting kit kicks in. So I have to focus on a lot of things to help out with that. Um,
1: that's a lot of change.
0: That's a lot of change. It tells
1: you that a lot. I mean, sometimes people think five years, you know, it sounds either like a short time or a long time, I guess, depending on which perspective you're coming at it from. But from my perspective, five years is a short time, and 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 you know to to hear what you've been through, and then this drastic changes that you've made in five years, that's fast and amazing, and it sounds like it's uh, sticking. You know what I mean? Like you're you're making benchmarks, planting flags, and making those changes stick.
0: It is it it all comes in and like I said it's everybody's in a gradual process they're learning and as they're coming as they're going um, I'm still I'm still learning I'm still in a process where I have to figure out what medicine is right for me I still have to take counseling and therapy I'm just just as human as any other person out there and um, but that's the great thing is that I know I can admit all these things out to all of y'all and I'm very open And if, if anything, like if, um, that I'm good about is being honest about myself and letting people know that I have these things with, I don't want sympathy, but I do want people know if they're a person that's afraid to admit help, that they're afraid to seek counseling therapy, then I can be that person to say, Hey, I'm in counseling and I'm in therapy or somebody who may say, man, my house is full of junk and crap and has a lot of Kevins or may not have the real... Kevin, hey, or some possums. people might
1: have another. it might not be a possum. It might be something. They else.
0: may be like, I'm in a relationship with. A That's right. um, Or I'm married to a Kevin, and I don't know how to escape that. And I can say, I've been there. Like, i just like, this is a situation. Like, we just eliminated Kevin, or we got rid of Kevin today. I can't wait until, like, I call Aaron up and ask him about how the Kevin situation go. And I know he can tell me we, we got rid of him, or he'll say it'll take time because we're waiting, sitting around. For him to come out or something. You
1: want to hear something ironic? You see that coffee mug right there? That's right here. This yellow one.
0: This one.
1: Yeah, that's for you.
0: Oh, really?
1: Everybody gets one, but I put stickers in there, and I I swear there's a
0: Kevin. Oh i love this oh yeah there's a kevin morgan
1: elaine i got some of her stickers and one of them's the the possum so so there you go it's a little memento
0: it's a memento of the kevin i had (laughs) um and it looks exactly like the growling kevin that i have Uh, yeah who snaps at me very (laughs) angry i'm sitting here like
1: listening to you tell the story going i think i put a possum awesome sticker in the mud. Um, this
0: description no well, Morgan's um, not so much I just realized I'm recalling on a lot of things I didn't have this sticker or that sticker um, any of these I try to collect as much as can every event have this weird thing and I think Morgan knows this if she doesn't then she needs to know when she expects me coming. almost every event like spring art walk or major festival if I'm attending or the Chuck Fest I always approach her. I always get at least one pendant from her or a necklace. This is my favorite thing, jewelry. And so I always get that and maybe a random odd sticker. So I'm always collecting at least one thing. Or, or if I go to Cyphicon, um, I always get something from her. And then I try to browse around and look for something. But I just, I think I remember seeing this, the possum.
1: Yeah. well they had she had posted some pictures i remember they were having a little possum problem of some sort and she uh decided to paint it and it was a lovely painting but i didn't today when i I, I bought some here to give away to guests and uh for here to give away to guests and i put one in your mugs
0: ties in and this is another thing because i love mugs as well i'm a big collector on mugs and um the problem is I'm sure they're all getting rid of some of the mugs because I told them it's so, so bad. I've got so many dishes, too, that some of it needs to be thrown away. But I tell them, like, leave the iconic or certain particular mugs. Like, for example, I need to collect a mug from every state I visit. No, oh, that's cool. I saw something, like, my dad did years ago when he was with the my first stepmom, the one I had a abusive relationship with. He had, because he was a pro baseball player, so he traveled a lot, and he had mugs from states and then random cities um he traveled in even small like liquor shot glasses um Mm -hmm. and had some something unique on it from a place he visited and then after the divorce um we lost sight of that those track of mugs or i don't know if she kept them thrown away or whatever but it all gone and i always felt like in time i wanted to collect something of my own of places i traveled, there things i came across yeah um and collect some random odd mug it's nice to have
1: collections i mean i have a bunch of (laughs) varieties
0: of things
1: going on around here i get it
0: and you just i just looked at your board you do the same thing cut those
1: doggone yellow book magnets
0: The i i I toss away. Well, back in the day when schools—I don't know if they still do—when schools used to collect the phone books before uh-huh. cell phones came around, and yeah. donate. So, of course, me and Dad, middle school, you donate the phone books away. But now it's a point. I don't think they do that anymore. Um, it's like a rare item. But then, when every once in a while, when someone tosses a phone book on my carport, the only thing I do is I rip the magnet off because I don't collect magnets other except when I go see Morgan or um her best <laughs> yeah. friend denisha and i buy magnets yep. from them and that's on a very rare c- occasion so the only magnets i have are art related ones or i grabbed out of dollar tree or the ones i've cut up from, from
1: the, the, the yellow cart, book
0: the yellow book from baggett and McCall or all the other law firms that are um yeah. on the phone book and i, I feel bad because i just cut up their magnet and yeah
1: well we get so we get a couple of them over here so, so i keep and some i the, use them so Well, I tell you, that mug, I I had gotten out of the habit of doing this, but I swore that after episode 50, I was going to get back into the trend. And this is episode, you know, now I'll be launching episode 51 tomorrow. Mm -hmm. So um, what I have on the back of that mug is the last question.
0: Oh, did anything good happen today? The answer is yes, automatically. And I think this is this is based in this tied into everything what I'm talking about so yes a lot of things happen Um, I think a lot of it is miraculous um, that are just inspired that I drew these questions they all had reflected about my personal lifestyle everything I already talked about Um, that was a good thing I talked about Kevin to y'all and had to not was very cringy and not wanting to open up but i was thinking like that's a mess inside of me i don't want the world to see i have a mess in me and so i think that's good because sometimes you just need to be a mess and i just realized my other page i try to turn it into um an art page at first but then i left it dead for a while and then i figure i'll turn it into it's i changed it to the scene lady but then there's a dash uh-huh. because it was my old art page i was posting my photography art and i called it a beautiful mess mm-hmm. and i don't know who or what i learned that i think um i post it one day You know, as a matter of fact, I was posting several things and people like Jody and then John O'Donnell and everybody was commenting. I said, which ones do you like better? And everybody was chiming in and said, go with the beautiful mess. And it's like, just sounds great. And I think it's a ring to your life. And so I left my art page for that. So the good that happened today is I came here and beforehand knowing I am a mess. And that's an okay thing for me to admit. But I'm a beautiful mess, and I'm a mess that's a work in progress. And that's a very good thing for me to say, I'm not a bad mess. I'm a good, decent mess. And um, and I'm okay with saying, I've got things I'm working on and I'm adjusting in my life. I don't think anybody's open and willing to admit to any of these things. But I'm, I'm realizing now that the good that happened for me today sitting right here with you is that it's okay. I have a mess inside of me. And I may have a mess at home for a little bit for a little while longer. And I have messy situations happening around me. But all of it's all good. It's going to be taken care of it's not permanent. So, yes, a lot of good happened today. A lot of it, I think it was just I think the hand of God just kind of putting in place and all these things right in front of me and all these lessons. Like it's just all connecting right here. So
1: That is wonderful to hear. I I don't really think I could add anything as a cherry on top to that because you just worded that so perfectly. I do. I do feel like it's important that we. I make sure that the people listening, who don't know you, know how they can find your pages. So, if you don't mind, just for a second, the two pages that you're talking about. The one. The one that I know about the late Charles Scene is that. Um,
0: that of course is on Facebook, social media. If anybody's on Facebook, it's called the official late Charles Scene, and it's. Pretty much a group that you can request to join, and um, I leave me and anybody to the public. If you get the notification, I leave it up to anybody. So if I'm not quick enough to approve it, and if you get the notification, I tell everybody just to approve anybody and everybody. Or um, but then sometimes I see random things like somebody from Timbuktu, and I'm thinking like, okay, I'll just I'll deny something like that. Sure, yeah, you're trying to keep it local. Um, but then I mean there are. I am mindful and um, out there of who joins the group and how people are acting appropriately and as well, but that group is located on Facebook as well, and again, just to sum it up, it's a social media site that promotes anything and everything about Lake Charles louisiana or southwest louisiana in general um ranging down from local businesses to music art festivals activities volunteer opportunities um food um local people everything that you're talking about on your air um we have anything and everything and so if you're somebody that it's interesting, join in the group and you need a free outlet because it's free to advertise and put whatever thing you want as long as it's pertaining to Southwest Louisiana in general or Lake Charles or you and your business or your local product, um, then I'm all up for it. So um, if you're someone that makes quilts and you want to get your quilting business out there, go right ahead. Just post it out there and tell people, that I make quilts. If anybody wants a quilt, con- contact me or you have something you want me making to make into a quilt. I just, I I never r- rarely say no to anybody except the politics of field. Um, I think that's something I don't want in my group too much. Um, I even post local news, like good worthy news. For example, um, I'll say um, congrats to. The Sawella students that just graduated for this semester, or these people that just got honored at this campus, or congrats to the new city marshal or um recognizing community members. Um anything that's good and worthy and praiseworthy, I'll put in the group without too much involving. Um I tend to stay away from vote for this person, vote for that person. Right. Not... That's
1: understandable. We live in volatile times. Yeah. It's...
0: And um uh, And there's even a church. Um, I'm okay with religion in the group as long as it's... Like, there's a pastor who he'll share his activities and his groups, um, things going on at his church, and he'll post a video and he'll say, hey, what's happening at this church is all these activities and events come on down, and yeah. he's inviting people to an event to right, come right. see, and he's talking about open to the public. So it, that's another story compared to, you need to come and get baptized in my church because we teach the doctrine of this and this. Right, right. May that's understandable. offend a little bit different and i'm okay with that notion if if your church is having a barbecue and you're inviting the public and you want to invite people then i'm yeah. extremely all right you with gotta that you got to be careful
1: you don't want any kevins to come into your page and there, you know what i mean
0: i've had a couple kevins come into my page and they've tagged some of my administrators um and i for i've had to um i've had a few of them here and there and i've always been i've had to take a point where i i don't know the only one situations i had one girl and she posted and this was something like like the mental illness field I'm, i'm all up for it she posted something regarding a certain mental illness and um and someone commented on it, but not reading the category. It was like a title that offended them. and um, But then called her out and said, I'm very offended. And But then he got really ugly and said, you're distasteful for posting this. And called her out and was being really hateful and hmm. responding to words. Um, it's offensive of what you say. Um, your comments were not appreciated and take your comments elsewhere. Well... I had to read the article first to understand to where, what she was, con- yeah. where she was coming from, not just read the title. I had to read it a couple times and at the end of the article if you read all the way through it said oh it was an article about lyme's disease and it said at the this article is to help influence and um reach out to people make them self-aware and so i was like okay there's a point right there i screenshotted and i said have you read the full article and why she posted this at the end of the article it says this article is for the purpose of teaching and having people aware of lyme's disease And then I definitely got firm in that point Um, I said I have if in my bio I I tell people if you read the bio I say everybody to be clean no bashing no trash-talking no criticizing other businesses there are like we said there are other groups for that and um, but since You have already done that in the public. Um, You already humiliate her on a public news feed and right here. Now, I have to take the stance and put this right here in the public. Um, How this could have easily been handled is you could have messaged her inbox um, or my inbox and said how you felt about the issue, Um, but you handled it a different sort. I've expressed several times in the group, please don't do things like that. Um, and I was trying to be really nice. I said, please, um, out of respect to the group, please do not, if you are offended by something, message our personal accounts and talk to us about it. Don't humiliate and call people out in the public like this and have people aware. And I said, I, um, if it happens again, um, I'm going to have to remove you. And the person just i guess didn't like what i had to say and just like just remove me and i just said okay I'll. Yeah,
1: i mean i guess that's you, you so, it is your group i mean you're the moderator i, so. I
0: try it's it's really it, i i can be sweet and i am open and i allow a lot of things to happen but i'm also at a point where i recognize that even aaron has telling me um despite all the mess in me i've 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 allowed a lot of Kevins to rule in my life and walk all over me. And because of that, I've had, i have learning that I need to put my foot down and not say, this is who I am, this is what I stand for, and this is what I will not take anymore. So, um, the best and proper and appropriate way to approach that is by saying, yes, this is my group and... It is not like the average group that you will be in. There is a decent tone and language that will be in here. It's it's a fun group. So just have fun. Just be happy. Just post good stuff. And um, there's no need to argue about someone. have
1: fun with the thing. So have fun with it. Yeah, it makes sense. Just have fun with it. Yeah. I I get that. I kind of feel that way about this show. It's the same point. It's like... If we talk about bad stuff, we got to, I mean, I, I'm not against talking about bad things. I think we have to do that um, to be truthful and honest about the realities around us. But at the same time, you know, if that's where you're going to stop, then you're just going to sink to the bottom of the pit. You know, yeah. you got to keep walking, <laughs> get get out of there, find a good way out. Mm-hmm. Well, this has been fun and enlightening, emotional. Um very interesting and honestly helpful and I'm really really think that whoever listens to this I think there's something for everybody thank right. you for doing this sharing your heart with everyone
0: most definitely I, I think if anything that benefited is is me and self like I think I spoke a lot of things I need to relearn and help myself so I know if nobody's going to come out of anything from this I know I'm coming out of something because um, I need I definitely need to take another inventory and look in and just remind myself, so
1: Yeah, well, we all could do that and I think it's worth doing that maybe a little bit every day, but sometimes we gotta go in and do the big work, mm-hmm. you know. And and you've had a lot of big work to do. You know, and you and, and for good reasons, you know? I mean really good reasons. I mean, you you haven't uh, it hasn't been uh, smooth all the way for you, not not since you were a little little person. You know what I mean? I mean that's that's some hard things. A lot of the stuff that you've shared, and to to just hear this story of overcoming and and working to transform that. When you were talking earlier, I just thought you know, it's like a river, and all these little tributaries of our lives are just running in and filling it, and then that river can just it can flood places or it can actually bring life and agriculture to places you know and i guess the goal with all those different things that's happened to you in your life is all those little rivers running in these little these little streams making this one big river you you now have this great force that you can point towards something and do so much good with it you know and sharing those stories with people which i'm a big advocate of uh, I think that's one of those ways to point that river somewhere and bring life to people. Thank you,
2: Breenie.
0: You're welcome.
1: And I love you just as well. Thanks for listening to this episode of Find the Good News. If you would like to advertise on this show or sponsor an episode, just visit findthegood.news. Send me a message and we'll see about getting your business, organization, service, product, or event on the show. I deeply thank each of you again for supporting this podcast.